You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to episode 21 of That's Awesome with Joe. I'm Joe. I'm here with Josh. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, feeling pretty good. It's Wednesday night at the time we're recording this, um, and we interviewed this week Tony from Dragged Under um, yesterday, so it's still fresh. Uh, Josh, serious question. Best episode ever? <laughs> I think so. This might one. be the best one up until now. Um, at least I really enjoyed talking to Tony. He's he's a very interesting dude that has had a lot of experience in the music industry and has kind of turned um, something that it sounds like started as kind of like a side hustle into a pretty thriving business. Um, so I was pretty, uh, pretty impressed actually, like going into this interview, not knowing too much, even about the projects, um, that he was in or that he was even really doing that business and learning all that was pretty cool. And even since then, I think the only band I've listened to in the past 48 hours is dragged under now. Cause I'm <laughs> now really into them. They're just super fun. Um, and also Josh, you haven't heard this yet, but the song that opens the, <laughs> the in the the episode is like maybe the best intro song ever too so it's just an all-around great time right now um yeah so let's see there was a couple things i wanted to mention um i know we keep saying things like news is coming and stuff like that um <laughs> so i'm not really going to say like news is coming for anything but what i will say is that we're kind of revamping a lot of things, a lot of the ways that we're doing the podcast. So um, just stay tuned for some updates and some fun stuff uh, that we're working on uh, and announcing in the next, I guess, couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'm trying to think, is there anything that we need to go over today, Josh? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I guess we'll just go right to the interview because it's a long one anyway, so we won't waste any more time with this. Uh, let's send it over to Tony. Hey, 
Tony, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Um, of course. Let me give you a little background on what I know, um, and then, you know, let's kind of dive in. Okay. Um, so I'll be totally transparent with you. I, I'm, I'm relatively unfamiliar with, uh, with, you know, every project that you've done, um, except for like little glimpses of it here and there. Mm-hmm. So re- I know you were uh, originally in rest repose, right? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was a booking agent, I think I actually had booked some dates for you guys back oh, no in kidding. the day. I think so. Either that or like a band that I was working with was touring with you and I had some. Who did you work with? Were you at Artery? Uh, yes. Yes, I yeah, was. Yeah, you probably booked a couple a couple shows for us. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did that. And then um, your new band, uh, name's been coming up everywhere. Oh. But I, I honestly hadn't listened to it until Josh uh, sent it to me yes, yesterday. And uh, you guys are like, you guys are a party. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's like really fun. Um, but that's like as much as I kind of know. And then, you know, and, and, and Josh sent over some other info about you. And then I just went down this rabbit hole for like 45 minutes um, just researching all this shit that you've been doing because I'm – uh, very interested in it. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. Right on. Yeah, me too. Um, this is like, uh, a, I like the names. This is like, looks like a, an episode of the Sopranos in here. <laughs> yeah, I Dude, I was saying that. <laughs> I know. Joe, Josh, and Tony. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of eye ties in here. I love it. Uh, so listen, what, what we typically do is kind of start by, you know, going through wherever you kind of want to start with uh, kind of your musical journey and, and kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, and I, I was kind of like kind of active in that scene down there. I played in a couple of bands. Um, I'm from a town called Simi Valley. It's just okay. outside of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually familiar with that. I'm proud of myself. I just moved to L.A. So I'm like oh, right still learning everything. Where are you now? Uh, Echo Park. OK, you're like in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so see me like up north a little bit. It's like, I think it's... my, uh, my dealer is from there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Dan's reason. So you do heroin then, or what's up? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the, so see me famous for like the, the dumbest stuff. Um, primarily being like home of the Reagan library and Charles Manson. Um, oh, wow. and then, okay. uh, more recently being like the subject of an episode of Dr. Phil where they talk about like the heroin epidemic. So it had its time. It was a great place to live. Gotcha. Um, when I was a kid, it was very, just like very, it was kind of like uh, Lancaster, like just kind of okay. out of the way, quiet, right, right. town. And then lately it's been like, I don't know, the, the, the creeps have moved in somehow. But just blew I live up. In, yeah, I live in Seattle now. But when I lived down there, you know, I had my own bands growing up. Um, and then I, I, I eventually um, made my way to like some friends in LA and played in a band called Betrayal for a while. And we were okay. with Media Scare Records. Yeah, um, at the, at the time that. when they had like as Blood Runs Black and The Ghost Inside and Hundredth, it was like kind of actually a really cool label to be on at the time, except for the owner was a total piece of shit. <laughs> uh, and I, can I swear on this or no? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Have. All right, sorry. Um, but yeah, so I did that for a while and then did the whole thing where you like meet a girl and then you stop doing music for a little while. Right, dude, I did that too. Yeah, we've all, I think we've all been there. Yeah. It's like a rite of passage. I think you have to. Like meet a girl, fall in love, quit touring, and then you're like, oh, that was dumb, and then you go back to touring. Right. Um, it happens. So I did that, 
and then kind of went in musical hiatus at the time i was working for um like a company called zoomies like the skateboard shops mm-hmm. in the mall and that job moved me around a lot so i moved my way up here to uh, the northwest of in, in astoria which is on the coast yeah um bounced Do you like a little it bit. i lived out there for like six months um when i first moved and okay. I, li- I liked it a lot right it's like where the goonies was filmed the goonies house right was there. yeah that's why i know it that's Dude, the only it was the weirdest place to live but it was cool like I, it was the first time i had my own apartment um my apartment was literally just like a tv and a bed mm-hmm. it, it was like might as well been a hotel i just i was just sleeping there um but it was cool because when, when was, was this this when i was like 21 gotcha yeah, so I was on my own for the first time. And then I moved around a little bit. Long story short, I ended up in t- the Seattle area. And like right as I'm quitting my job at Zoomies, um, I was like, I was just about to become like a district manager. And I was like, well, I still want to do music. So I don't want to like dive headfirst into a career job. So I quit that job. Um, it, it went to like a smaller, lower impact job. And randomly saw a Facebook post from Ryan uh, Fluff, who's the guitar player dragged under and was the guitar player in uh, Rest Repose. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, we're looking for a guitar player in the Seattle area. And, um, you know, I hit him up and, and was just like, yo, I'm, I'm your dude. And uh, he sent me the jams. I learned them. I learned like four songs, I think, in like eight hours. I just crunched them out. And I love then, it. Uh, yeah, so he so we invited me to the practice and I showed up and offered me the gig. And then that's kind of how Rest Repose started. And um, obviously dragged under is kind of like from the ashes of rest repose. Currently there's only mm-hmm. two members in dragged under that were in rest repose, which is, which is fluff. And I got it. Got it. Um, but so yeah, wait, you, you ended up joining that band through just like a, like a modern classified ad. Not even Eventually. that. It, it wasn't even a classified. Ad. It was literally just him. Like, I don't, it's so funny. Cause I think about this a lot. I try to, I'm no philosopher, but like I try to think back a lot on like the moment that changes someone's life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for me, it was like the day I got two tickets in one day, like two, two speeding tickets because I got my license. <laughs> and then that ended up like spiraling into a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, wow. But, but it's like it's weird to think about like I, I had quit my job at Zoomies kind of just on a whim. And like if I hadn't have quit that job, I probably wouldn't have seen the Facebook post. I probably wouldn't have gotten back into music and my mm-hmm. life would be very different. Yeah. Um, so he, he literally. I have a similar story about getting back into music too. I think everyone, everyone does. And it's, 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 a, it's always like weird. If you're listening to the podcast, just try to think about like the, I try to do that. It's kind of like thinking about like the size of the universe where you get that weird feeling in your head where it feels like you're spinning a little bit. Right. You try to like comprehend something that you're just like, oh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So when like, you, when you left your job, were you like mid interview for like, what? What do you? Oh no, no! I was being like groomed. It was like gotcha, but, dude. But, I left um, and I was working for Apple, and I was interviewing for a oh, management wow. position, and I and I quit in the middle of my interview process. <laughs> She's just like, why should we hire you? And you're like, you shouldn't. I want to be. I was just like, I, I dude. I literally went to the interview. I got while like 20 minutes before I was uh, going into this was like my fourth or fifth interview. I like got a text from Spencer who was like, Hey, you know, we really want you to, you know, be part of this. If you want it, the job's yours. And so so I fucking bombed the fucking interview because I was like, so like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Right. And well, I didn't like bomb it. They still wanted to keep me going, but it was not good. And then on the way home, I called my boss and I was like, I think I got to bail. Good for (laughs) you. Weird (laughs) people. Yeah. For better or worse. We'll see. Well, people don't. I mean, you're doing pretty well. Uh, I talked. I've talked to Andy, and he says good things. So, okay, um, Andy, who? Soreo. 
gotcha. Yes. Yeah, the owner of Fearless. <laughs> right, right. I know Andy. I know Andy from way back when he was just doing chain. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's the best. He's one of my favorite mm-hmm. people in the whole world. But yeah, he's, he's you guys are one of those bands that he talks about a lot that's like crushing it. So I think you made a good decision. Well, but I think, I think we're a lot real of people happy don't, with them too. They're they're amazing. People yeah. don't think enough about how hard it is to to truly be a musician and like the amount of sacrifices you have to make. So few people kind of like have it dropped in their lap. And right. Like there, there definitely are those, there's definitely are those bands that just like can't really do any wrong and didn't didn't have to go through the grind. But dude, Ice Nine Kills, I, I think I saw Ice Nine Kills play uh, in Westlake at the Kung Fu Corner 15 years ago. <laughs> so like people Amazing. think- I heard Kung Fu Corner, I remember that name. I, oh wait, I played there like 10 years ago probably. It, it was like a karate venue in yeah. California. And at night we would like roll out these mats and like put up a little stage and a little PA and have shows. It was the best. That's so sick. Um, but it's funny to think like people don't realize- like they think these bands come out of nowhere, like Ice Nine Kills, and it's like, dude, mm-hmm. I, it's funny because I have like I anecdotally like stories about Ice Nine Kills just from seeing them. And then there was one time I was at Warp Tour, I don't remember the dude's name, but uh, we were backstage. I was at a band called The Sheds, and we knew like a ton of people. And I was backstage, and like somebody was, I think he was like in the band Ice Nine Kills at the time, and he was telling me like, yeah, dude, like if if, if you're leaving, like just give, give me your pass, and then. You know, like I'm in this band, Ice Nine Kills, and anytime we come through, I'll like, I'll let you, I'll get you in the show. It wasn't Spencer. Oh, dude, that's so you. funny. So they were, they were just giving, taking your backstage pass. Yeah, and I gave it to dude, him. Dude, that's hilarious. I you wish know I what, you know what was happening number. though, right? Like during that time. No. So I, I was in a different band at the time, but but my band was signed to the same label as Ice Nine at the time, and we were both following warped just selling cds doing that just like getting passes from people and sneaking in and trying to sell shit well i gave mine to one of your dudes (laughs) that's so sick i can't wait to tell (laughs) that story i remember um him saying that and at the time i was like oh i ice nine kills i know you guys like i've seen you play before but but now it's like you talk about Ice Nine Kills and you put them in like the A tier of, of music currently. It's like, yeah, you guys are just dude, it's so it. weird, you know, because I still think of Ice Nine, you know, me being so new to the band, even um, just in the past like two years. Um, you know, I, I, I had the grind part of my career with my other bands. So I don't feel like I necessarily missed it, totally. but I don't feel like I, I totally 100% earned the success that ice nines had do you know what i mean yeah, of course. like i i definitely jumped on at the right time yeah um but so when I, I i totally see what you're saying though because when i talk about ice nine even now i still say they because right it, you know uh, unintentionally right. and i and i do like i look at ice nine as one of those bands it's like wow that band is like prove proof that like you can grind it long enough to work like i was always my old bands are always worried that like if we don't do something in like six years like it's over it's over like you people right. pass on you at that point yeah, you know and this is just a testament to how that's not true that's totally you know? true and, and it's like your band it's like man you can do so much because the ice Nine kills we know today is nothing like the ice Nine kills that i used to see right like there's yeah. you guys have like an that's obvious because i'm in it and it's way better because of me yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care at all. And then I was like, oh, Joe's now? Like, Joe's in right. you gotta, I got to get shit. But we, um, you know, like watching Ice and Kills in the old days or the early days of the band, it was like, yeah, this is another metalcore band. And now you guys have found like a niche. You've carved a little like area of the scene out for yourselves. And yeah, what you're doing is really working. But that's totally true. And I want people to know that. You look at bands like Architects. 
people yeah people have no idea how long that band has been a band i know i was listening yeah. to that band as a junior in high school and that was over 10 12 years ago now yeah i think and i, I think saw I, them like eight or nine eight eight maybe seven or eight years ago with for in front of like 100 people been there i think yeah um yeah i i remember i remember listening to them on like a sampler disc I can't remember. I think it was maybe Sumerian or something. Remember like, sampler like, discs? Fuck yeah, dude! That's oh how I man, found so I love many sick those. Bands. That's kind of, kind of how I got into hardcore. Was I had a I had the uh, so I had the Sumerian sampler right mm-hmm. like two thousand eight, and then I had the um, I had a uh, sampler from Victory, which was like really big I for had me at the time. So many Victory samplers. I th- that's like how they built the whole label. It's just like yeah. sampling because they had so many sick bands at the time. I, dude. They like, did, dude. Late 2000s or yes. mid to late 2000s Victory was so sick. It was probably the best label around. It was like the Rise Records thing that happened at the same time where it was just like, right. how is every band signing to this label? Like they either have unlimited money or like, I think it was just a clout. It was like, you want to be on a label with other dope bands, right? Like yeah. Fearless. Like Fearless, yeah. I think is kind of doing now what Victory did in 2005. Very true. So it shows how quick things can change too. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, Rise is still doing cool shit, but yeah, Victory. I yeah, mean, yeah. Basically, effectively dead, right? Like, right. Well, I don't, I don't even. It. They have a few legacy acts, I think, but yeah, yeah they still own the rights to like Bayside because I got I had I got their most recent sample. I ordered some Bayside merch, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Why they, oh, why it came they from send them? me this? Yeah, <laughs> they still have like their their like distribution their samplers and shit. <laughs> so yeah, and then I and then I had a Tragic Hero sampler. Um, which is a smaller label out of like the. East I think Coast. I had a Tragic Hero sampler, 2011. Was, dude, there were some sick bands on that. Like He Is mm-hmm. Legend was on them, and then uh, yep. Let Live was on Tragic Hero. And, um, oh my god, that's right. That's like where Alisana started, and mm-hmm. um, I think there was like one more big like screamo band at the time. But yeah, I think I uh, something that's important for people to realize, like if they're in a band, it's like, dude, our guitar player is almost forty, or he is forty. I don't know, but it's like. The whole thing that you have to be like young and attractive and you got to get it early is total bullshit. Yeah, it uh, is. And, and these days it's like, especially with the music we play, we're not we're not playing a sexy kind of music. Like we're playing like aggressive punk rock. And it's like, honestly, being handsome and being sexy is like antithetical to our message. It's right, right. all about just being who you are and being responsible for yourself and you know, owning your results and not fucking complaining or making excuses. It's just like, dude, get out there and grind. There's no reason. I think that a lot of these people would be surprised at how old the dudes they're crushing on on stage are. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I'm sometimes blown away. Yeah, dude, people you don't realize it. it's like, oh, cool, yeah, singer of this whatever band. Yeah, he's 46. And you're like, bro, right. he's got a six-pack and like the best hair. Dude, you know who I always think about whenever we I, I have these conversations is – um. I, and this is kind of unrelated. This is one of those tangents. Um, Chris Caraba, yeah, from dude, Dashboard. Yes, that dude has not aged a day. I know, and he just got in like, like in, in like twenty five years. I know, yeah, still hot though. It, it's insane. Like he's the hottest dude in the world. <laughs> There's a lot of guys like that. I think Saves the Day is another one of those bands. Yeah, um, that's I think it's right. Maybe yeah, just, just named Chris. I'm gonna name my kids Chris. That's what you got to do. Apparently, seems to work. But their singer, um, is just, it's the same thing where he still looks like he did, you know, 30 years ago. Um, it's crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's so many things that are superfluous, right, that people put stock in when it's like, we want to be in a band. Okay, cool. Like, there's a band here, and I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, they've, they've removed members because of like, yeah, he didn't fit our image. I'm like, well, then your image is fucking stupid. Like, yeah. 
if if, it's, if bowling for soup can make it happen with that dude on guitar then so can any band like right image is nothing man if your band has charisma and you write good songs people will latch onto that because they hear the songs almost a hundred times before they even see the members like people aren't choosing to listen to parkway drive because they're awesome australian accents and are right. like, really good looking dudes oh you're right you know, and it's also like before. especially in our genre of music like this indie underground or you know just not like radio pop like pop culture shit that's being thrown at you like no one is going to just come across your faces before they hear your music anyway right and, and even then like I, I very rarely do I see someone and go, wow, this person is just so beautiful. I have to listen to their music. Well, I know that's it the other happen. thing. So it's right. Like, it, can it add to your success? Potentially. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're like a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people, it's so ridiculous how many moves people make for the wrong reasons. Just like the only thing you should be thinking about when, you know, you're putting people in your band is, are they going to quit? Like, are they in this for the long haul? Can they grind it out? Are they able to grind it out? And do they want to? And then on top of that, like, is this somebody who is going to contribute to your band in a meaningful way? Right. Or, or are they just being hired because they've got the look? Right. The look has never so been a thing for me at all. Like, yeah, my biggest thing with people that I'm going to be in a band with is, like, can I tour with this person? Yeah. Or, like... Like more so even than musician musicianship, honestly, is like how much am I going to be around this person and how much am I going to enjoy that time? You that's know? a that's a big one because we've definitely had had that. That's been honestly a big reason for removal for a lot of our members. Um, it's 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 everyone we've ever kicked out is due to like contribution or like their ability to tour. So either they're not taking like Investor Post, both of the singers. That's why the band kind of fell apart. It's because I ended up singing towards the end of that band. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is not my cup of tea. Like, I don't really want to sing in like a butt rock band. Like, I want to do my own thing. And right. uh, that's kind of why Rest Post fell apart because I think we, I think Fluff and I had a different idea of what we wanted to do towards the end. But the, both of the singers we kicked out of that band, it was the same reason. They didn't take it seriously enough. They right. would go out on tour. It was like, dude, it was like deja vu. It fucking, ugh, it fucked me up big time because we made the same mistake twice. And that's our fault. So it's like the first time... Th- the dude was an amazing singer and not the best songwriter in the world, but you know, he'd go out there and we'd get, get not get drunk, but he would drink and smoke. And then three days into the tour, he'd be like, Oh, my voice is gone. I'm like, well, why do you think like you're doing something that's physically strenuous on your, mm-hmm. on your voice. And then you're adding like drugs and alcohol into the mix. And like, far be it for me to judge. I, I don't care what you do, but if that's your instrument, like you should take it a little bit more seriously. That's like, if you were, you know, right. going out playing shows and then afterwards you did that game with the knife. Yeah. Put the knife between your fingers. Right. Like every now and again, you're going to hit a finger and then you're like, well, I can't play. Well, maybe you should stop doing dumb shit that like fucks right. up your ability to perform. Agreed. So both of them did the same thing. And we ended up having to send both of them home. It was like after That's five, dumb. after like three shows for the first singer and then after five shows for the second singer. It's a shame that that happens so often because I think. It's, it's just people that like, you know, they may have talent or maybe they even don't, I don't know, but like, they just want the lifestyle of touring and don't understand that. Like, it's a fucking job. Like it's a business. You can have fun with it, but like it, you can't have any fun if it's failing because you're not able to do your job. That's exactly right. And the rest of the guys won't have fun. And as a singer, it's like, you get a lot of what we call fringe benefits being a vocalist. 
which is like stuff that you don't ask for that just kind of happens, right? And you get like a bigger following. You're like the face of the band. Like think about any band that you like. It's typically either the lead guitarist right. or the singer who becomes famous, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it's like the big, big, or what is it? You know, great responsibility, great whatever, the Spider-Man thing. With, yes, with, I don't, yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't remember shit. it at all, but yeah, something uh, meaningful. But yeah, but that's what it is. It's like, if you're going to be the dude that's in the limelight and you're going to be like the face of your band and the voice of your band, you got to treat it seriously because if people don't know when a guitar player leaves a band, Unless that guitar player just like fucking shreds, like if Swan left, dance and it's not days. like super like impactful. It's not. Either. They can replace. You know, most of the times you can be replaced without anyone noticing, especially on the record. Right. But if you change singers, it's like changes the whole dynamic of your band and and your sound. That's where your sound comes from. Like imagine, you know, someone like I don't know, like minus the bear or like you know these really recognizable singers like when dance cabin dance changed singers i was like oh that's it put a fork in these dudes and they managed to live from it you know but it's a you know that voice is just like so unique and so powerful that it's it's like how do you how do you change singers so the the end game was like these dudes are fucking us over and like i didn't want to be the third singer of that band Mm -hmm. so it got to the point where i was like here's what's happening like i'm gonna go start a new thing fluff wanted to come you know we invited the other dudes one of them left and moved to California. The other one just decided he didn't want to do music anymore. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the history. But, you know, I think for a lot of singers out there, it's like, take what you have very seriously because you're going to benefit from it in a lot of ways. And if you're a good singer, like, especially nowadays, we have all these fucking shows on TV where they're judging singers. Everyone thinks they know what a good, good or bad singer sounds like. So they're going to judge you. So take it seriously. You don't have to be the best singer in the world, but it's like, as long as you're, as you're good live and, and you're, you know, a performer and you take it seriously, think good things will happen for you, but it's not being on tour. Like so many, like you said, so many people want to be a touring musician because they think that collecting laminates and, you know, like taking pictures of, you know, in front of the stage after they're done playing with all the fans that came is like, wow, so cool. That's what I want. But they don't see like the nine hour drives and the shitty hotels and like the, you know, using a humidifier for eight hours a day. So you, so you keep your voice and right. You know, fucking coat and, uh, you know trying to sleep in a in a moving van and mm-hmm. the late nights and it's like there's so much shit to being to being a it's, musician that it that really is and especially like with all that shit when you're grinding right like especially early days of touring and everything like it's hard enough to fucking take care of your voice if yeah. you were like in perfect health and doing everything right just because of the nature of touring sure. especially heavy stopped. music right when you're screaming especially or yeah yeah yeah, we. Uh, I have a pretty strict regiment that I that I have to follow. Uh, I guess I don't have to. I've deviated from it, and it, it still works out for me. I'm, I guess I'm just lucky. But there's a lot of vocalists who are not like that. It's like they have beautiful voices, but they're only good for a few days if they don't, mm-hmm. you know, follow their regiment like vocal rest. Um, yeah. Treatment like tea, singer saving grace. That's something that Bert from the used. So our last tour was with the used, and Bert was. Um, he was using that on stage, you know, like he's the type of person that's been doing it for so long. And he, he like, what was he using out. on stage? It's called singer saving grace. Oh, is that that spray shit? Yeah. It's in like the little white bottle. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have that. It that works. Stuff, it's awesome. It's yeah, so good. It's designed to like lubricate your vocal, your vocal folds and um, right. stops. You, Do you know what else is really good that I started doing like two tours ago? Um, potato chips. What? Yeah. Cause of all the oil on them. 
I buy that. Yeah, I, I learned about it from some, I don't even remember, some like very high profile singer on like a YouTube video or something. I got to tell him now, so I got to go on the rider when you potato chips. Try it. It, it, <laughs> it. I'd be curious to hear if if, if you think it works, well, I mean, so I, give it a I, shot. I eat potato chips on the regular as it is. So so do I. But it's I'm... supposed to be like that immediate like, oh shit, I just got my voice back kind of thing. Like if you're feeling like a crack or something. Interesting. But I always I always eat like salt and vinegar or like Funyuns. So mm-hmm. probably not the best ones for your voice. Yeah, those are my favorite. So salt and vin- salt and vinegar is my favorite too, but well, All right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. let's let's keep moving through your history. So rest repose kind of falls apart because of, you know, band member commitments, timing, yeah. and then stylistically, you kind of weren't sure where you were going and everything, right? Yeah, a lot of creative differences. <clears throat> uh, okay. but, but so a whole bunch of things better. just kind of naturally led to, you know, this probably isn't the right thing, right? Yeah, and I don't think it was necessarily the right thing from the get-go. Like, you know how it is, especially in music. Just kind of done succeed. it out of convenience and stuff because it was already yes. going. Yeah, convenience and, like, necessity. And, um, you know, two of the guys in the band were, are, were popular YouTubers. Right. That's um, right. So, so it was like, well, this should be a shoe in, right? This should be easy. But that's another thing that's really important. I think for a lot of people starting bands, it's like, I was in a band with a dude that had 2 million YouTube subscribers and another dude that had like 300,000 plus, And that band did not take off. Right. It's because we wrote shitty music <laughs> like that. That's what it is at the end of the day. It's like, we've tried to, we've tried to understand like the, the, you know, the success that Dragon Unders had and the common denominator is we just write better music. We write more genuine music. Gotcha. Well, it's also truer to what you want to do, right? Like your heart, oh, if your heart's sure. if your heart's actually in it, you're probably gonna push it more and you know play it better and yeah. all the all that stuff. Well, especially as a vocalist, right? Because I feel I'm freer to move around and like interact with the audience and and have a good time, jump around. Yeah. So, crazy. what was that like? Like, what was that transition like? Really weird at first, like super scary, kind of like hiding behind the microphone stand. Um, and like at the when we first changed singers again to where it was like, all right, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna limp us along. It was like we were, you know, I was playing bass at the time, luckily, um, so it wasn't that big of an impact instrument. But I, I basically we wheeled in our like our rig, uh, our in ear mm-hmm. rig, and mm-hmm. I like plugged the bass in, and like one taked the, the the live session, just played along with the live session. Um, and backtracked all the bass parts. And right, the right. same day, we like took the singer to a hotel. And we're like, you're staying here for the day. You're going to get better. And we're going to go play the show without you. So I sang that show. And um, we had some of the other dudes. We were on a band with, on a tour with like three other bands. And I had some of the other singers come up and help me with songs. Um, and it was fun. But it was like, after like the seventh day, I still had a voice. And that was my big fear. Because right, I was coming off the back of two singers that only made it less than a week. So I was like, right. this just must be how it is. Like singers are just not meant to last. Um, it's kind of like race, <laughs> racehorses or whatever, right? They're just like, yeah, they're they're good for like a little while, and then you just got to shoot them or whatever. So, so we shot two of our singers, and then eventually it was like, okay, I guess I I think I'll I'll try to get us through like the next five shows until we fly somebody in or someone else can learn the stuff, and then I can take a back seat. But none of the other singers wanted to do it because they were like, well, I you know we're doing nine songs or whatever, or seven songs. Like I can't really do these seven, and then you're eight or nine. Um, right. Which made sense. And I respect that now looking back, especially. So it was like, all right, well, I'll do what I can. And then like by the fifth show, it was like, yo, I think I can do this for the rest of the tour. And like my voice was still holding up. I felt good. The, the reaction was good. Um, so that's what we were did. you having fun with it. Yeah, more more fun than playing bass. That's for sure. <laughs> it goes without saying. But yep. uh, 
but yeah, it was, it was, it was not even like it was fun. It was for me, it was like, I'm fulfilling a necessary role. Like I'm, I'm, well, that's why I asked because like, was it more out of, I mean, obviously it was out of necessity, but it's, it it kind of became more of like, Oh, I want to actually do this. It was more like, Oh, I can do this. Right. Like I have the ability to do this. It was like, uh, I don't know, like when you're, your star star hitters out and your coach is like whatever just go up there and hit and you hit a home run and your coach is like mm-hmm. oh sh- what the fuck you didn't tell me you could hit so it's kind of like that where everyone was yeah. like kind of surprised that i could sing and it was like well you guys know i've been doing all the backup vocals right like i'm you thought i just couldn't sing and you guys were just letting me do all the harmonies like <laughs> it says a lot about what you guys thought about our band right so yeah once once i think they figured out that i could do it it was like okay cool game on like let's just finish the tour with this dude and then once we get home he'll be our new singer um, and we did a singer search, like we tried to find another real legit singer and it just wasn't panning out. And then, uh, we had a tour lined up with like the red jumpsuit apparatus and Alisana. And mm-hmm. we, we only were allowed to go on the tour if, if Jared came. So Jared was the, the dude that had 2 million subscribers. And that was when I was like, all right, something's fucked up here. Like if these guys are only allowing us to come on this tour because of one of the members, then they don't give a shit about our music yeah so then that's, that's kind of when i was like right on uh i'm out <laughs> like i, I don't want to do this anymore because the members weren't committed nobody was really pushing the needle forward it was like me and the guitar player who's in dragged under now we you know we were the only ones really pushing the needle so it was like we're, we're carrying the dead weight of three other individuals one of which like people won't even allow us to play if he's not there right. and i get that from their perspective it's like they want this dude that has a spectacle um, right, because they've seen what he's was he he'll, he'll, he'll probably bring in some people exactly. on his own. Exactly, for sure, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they had seen what he did because he had just got off that tour with Trivium, and he was playing guitar for Trivium for a little bit while. Oh, Matt, I didn't know that. Yeah, because Matt had had his kids at that time, and so like gotcha. they needed a guitar player um, and someone to sing. So Jared came, and then they would employ like the help of the other singers and the other bands on the tour. Howard Jones and the singer of Avatar right. would help with the singing um, and then Paolo would do some of the singing too. Got so it. they limped along without him. And I think that he, they saw like how much, how much like not drama, like how much, uh, you know, hype he was drumming up just simply by being there. And I think that these older bands with like a limited followings, you know, like maybe thought he could revitalize their careers or something like that. I don't know. But the, but the point is, Without him, they weren't willing to accept the whole band. So it ended up being like one of those things where I was like, okay, well, this is not the right avenue for us then. Because if people only want us for, if like the sum of the part, or excuse me, if the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts, then I think we're doing something a little bit wrong. Yeah, that so makes that, sense. That would frustrate me. It would, oh, it not terrible. in like a jealous way at all. It's like, this is just doesn't, like how am, how am I supposed to be like putting like my heart into this thing that like people don't give a shit about. Yeah. Well, I think every, I think every, every team, right. has like a star player. Like maybe. Yeah. Where, where I mean, obviously now I live in LA, but I, I grew up in Boston. Okay. So spent most of my life there. Right. So it's like, all right, well, I don't even know who Boston has, like who's their favorite, they're like famous player, but you know, like if I mean, big poppy stops playing or whatever. It's like, yeah, maybe we lose some fans, but like, this team is still there. I'm still a Boston Red Sox exactly. fan. You know, mm-hmm. like there's still a spectacle around going to the games and supporting that team. Yeah. No one's saying like, that that team can't go play in their arena without. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're like, wait a minute. Poppy's not playing. Then what's the point? We're not going to sell any tickets. Like just stay right. home. So that's kind of what it felt like. It was like, yo, there's, we're still a band. Like we're still doing music. There's still four other people in this band that are valuable. And like, 
so we have some fans you know like it's not like because jared doesn't come nobody's gonna come watch our band like we have people that are just genuine fans of the music but mm-hmm. i think the outward perception was that that wasn't it got it yeah got so it. so that's kind of why we started dragged under was it was like well fuck this like if 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 i'm if i'm gonna be playing you know shows i would rather do play for less people with the music that i like and i and ironically enough we haven't played for less people like we've gotten great tours even the even the shows that we've done as headliners are as good or better i think than some of the shows we were doing you know with restaurant when did the band kind of start um it's been just over a year now okay because i think we started recording in like july of last year so you guys didn't even really get to do anything that much we did one headlining tour um to kind of like knock the cobwebs off and then we went out with the used for a month and a half that is not a bad um gig (laughs) yeah not at all it was so much fun it was cool too because it was an undersell right so like every show was sold out yeah uh, which was really rad we didn't have that must have been super fun that's like a that's a really cool tour and it was just us and them which was like the best part about it it wasn't like how did that come together so the singer or the um the guitar player they use is is actually the dude that's managing us oh so a little bit of like the homie hookup but uh you know he sent the music around to their camp then uh, they all they were all into it and it was like well sold out anyway so we don't need to bring like a good support band let's just bring right you can just bring whoever you want yeah let's bring i love when those tours happen i love that that's the coolest thing about a sold out tour i think that bands don't realize like it's kind of the same thing with the ghost inside right we just got offered um the uk show in brixton with the ghost inside oh that's great yeah, it's going to be super rad for us, and and they're homies from a long time ago, from back on like the, the media scare days. So I've known I've known a couple of those dudes for a long time. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> yeah, probably well, for about fifteen years. Actually. Exactly. Yeah, you probably yeah. probably played a lot together. Yep, um, quite a lot. But it was it's like one of those bands that like they were like, well, the show's sold out, so like we don't need, you know, every time I die to come out and support her. We don't need mm-hmm. you know I Prevail or whatever. We don't need these big bands that are going to cost us a lot of money. Let's just get like some homies to come out and play the, you know, that could use the exposure. So yeah, it's really cool to see bands doing that again. Um, there's a lot of bands that seem to be making a lot of decisions lately based on what they want to do and not what right. makes money. We did that in, uh, in Europe this past year. Like we did a tour that ended up, that ended up mostly selling out before we announced support. So we just took out, you know, these bands that it was their first tours. And people don't forget that shit. Like, that's the kind of stuff that will make me a fan of a band forever. Like, as a musician, like, I'll be singing, you know, the used praises and the Ghost Inside praises forever because I'll never forget that, like, right. when we were a small band, they took a chance on us. And they were like, could they could have anybody play that show. They could have right. bands much bigger than them come out and support that show, I think, just from, like, yeah, the probably. spectacle. But they're like, well, why would we do that? That doesn't make any sense for us. Like, it's just going to cost us money. Let's just get these guys out here that are hungry for the support. And it's not like they're not paying us. Like, And the other thing that's cool, too, is that they didn't even really have to do that. Not at all. Not at right? all. Right? Like, they could have just played themselves. And I've seen yeah. bands do that, too. Yeah, and a lot of the – it's funny because you read the comments or whatever, and a lot of, like, the people are a little bit disappointed. You know, like, what the fuck? I thought it was going to be – you know, so and so, or like, why didn't you get this band? Or and everyone has that opinion, right? Like, then no one's ever happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like people were kind of mad that it wasn't a bigger bands, uh, wow. which to some degree I can relate to. But at the end of the day, it's like this show sold out. Like it's captive audience. You're coming. You know, like they're gonna pick whoever they want because it's like 
you showed your hand. You guys bought all the tickets. Like they're... it's funny. I, I, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of like the fans, mm-hmm. and I remember being younger and like, oh, I wanted to, to learn the opening bands before the shows, like so bad. Yes, dude. I was right, like and I don't feel like people do that anymore. No, I think the the meta, if you will, if you're a gamer, the meta has shifted a little bit, and like people. We, we, and we try to play to that. Like we've done that in the past with the use. I think we put like seven songs and it, some of them were really short songs because our goal was you're the band that's in the way of the right. band that they all paid to see. They don't see you as like, a, a, like it's not like you're the appetizer to the entree. You're just a glass of water. And it's like, mm-hmm. all you're doing is holding them over until the band that they all paid to see comes on stage. So our right. goal is like warm them up, play the seven best songs we have and get the fuck out of the way. That's smart. That's very smart. I think a lot of bands could take a page out of that book. I think a lot of them, you know, we whenever whenever we get an offer like that, we ask them what's the minimum, like how how many minutes do we need to fill, not mm-hmm. how many minutes can we play. I think a lot of bands forget that it's like, especially on a show like that. If it's, if you're a supporting band, like that's on a tour with another band, yeah, cool, play your set. But on shows like the Use, where it's like the thing was sold out before we even started. And this show where it's like it's sold out before we even got the Yeah, offer. no one's buying tickets because you're right. there because they can't. Right. So it's like our whole move is play songs that won't for, people won't forget, play, or play exactly. the hits, yeah. and just walk off. And, right. Um, Short and sweet. Yeah. A lot of, I think a lot of people – Because even too much of a good thing is a bad thing, right? Like for it sure. can get boring for sure. Well, yeah, for sure, especially if – you know, know, know thyself. Like if you're a band that's playing – you know, a certain type of music and, you know, all your songs kind of sound the same, like maybe keep it short and sweet, you know, play mm-hmm. five songs, play 20 minutes and then just dip. Um, cause, cause after a certain amount of time, it's like, how many breakdowns can we listen to? You know, like, right. we get it. You know, we we're in that vein too, where we have some songs where it's like, if we play these two songs back to back to back, I'm not sure they would notice that we changed songs. <laughs> so, so think about like, you know, you're set. That'd be a good experiment. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, for us, I think, especially as a smaller band, I don't think anyone would know just based on its merit. But yeah, I think there's a lot of bands where there's literally times where they'll like, you know, do one of those like quick stops, like they'll do one note, wait two seconds, and then hit something else, and then go immediately into another song. It's like right, and they're all in the same playing, key. Yes, bro, same tempo, same key, and it's like people think you're playing the same song, bro. You gotta like, mm-hmm. you know. So we try to we try to spread that stuff out with like music between songs. Um, so there's yeah. like a vibe change and obviously right, there's right. lights, you know, we will change the lights to something else. So try to create a little bit of like a, a new chapter when we start a new song, instead of just like put, you know, punishing the crowd with like four more minutes of breakdowns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. That's smart. People should take a page out of that book. <laughs> we did. I mean, it worked for us. That was, that was one of the opening bands did on one of our tours was like, you know, we told them we're like, yeah, you guys are playing five songs every night. Like, could you play like three more songs? Like you're only playing for like 20 minutes. And they're like, well, we don't want to like, we don't want to overplay because if we play fewer songs and people like us, then they'll be apt to like listen to us on Spotify or like go buy a shirt or the CD. Got it. But if we play eight songs and they're bored of us, then they'll be like, God, this fucking band just like will not stop playing. Right. And I've been there. I've, I can't, oh, I, me too. working at a venue, right? Like promoting shows. You see that shit all the time where you're like, and the fucking last thing you want to be, like, if you're in a band, hear me. Do not be the band that goes over your time. Yeah. Like, that fucks everyone else over, and it is the, like, least classy thing that you could do. It's the most boner-ass, like, new jack move in the music community is to, like, go over your time. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone I will agree. hate you if you do that. I agree. Yep. There's nothing more annoying than that. It's not There's nothing more annoying. It's like you think that the extra two minutes that you pushed from your set time was the two minutes that like captured the whole crowd. I doubt it. So right. like, but but you know what it did do? It pushed every other band back two minutes and then it exponentially ends up by being 20 minutes by the time you get to the headliner sound guys pissed stage hands are pissed like no one likes a band that does that but everyone nope. likes a band that ends earlier on time and right is like off the stage in a minute and a half be that band and just gets your shit out of the way yeah you know there's nothing more annoying to me i remember like t- <laughs> When the when the uh, drummers would take their cymbals off the stands the before moving stage. the stands, <laughs> yep, I would always a, say dude, something. There was a band that opened for us on one of our tours, um, and they, they were wrapping their cables on stage. Oh, God. and I was like, I was like, dude, grab your cables in a fucking fist, throw them on your pedal board, get the fuck out of the way. Like, right, the whole show has to stay on on the rails, and if you're that band, that's like. You know, putting your guitar in the case on stage, take, spinning your cymbals off on stage. Like, oh, dude, there's nothing worse than that. It's like put everything on, on your amp and wheel that thing off the stage and try not to drop it on your way out. Now I'm just remembering more and more things that annoy me. I have one more, <laughs> okay? And now and then we got to rank them, okay? Oh, uh, God. Um, before the show, drummers that d- won't stop playing. So how do you, you mean like in the crowd when they're like, when you're setting up, when there's no people in the venue yet? Like, yeah, yeah. Like either like on the floor, like just playing or even at like local shows, especially like just shut the fuck up because like there's already a lot of noise. So like just wait till the songs are being played. But like, I don't mind like quick things to check stuff, but then like just don't jam. Oh, of course not. Like, I, you know, it's like a... There's so much ego that's involved in music, and I think that that's – drummers especially have to have an awareness. You're playing the loudest instrument. It's so loud. You cannot be – you can't really be turned down, especially in a small venue. But like if I'm playing my guitar or whatever and like the, and we're going direct into the house and the sound guy's like, I can't hear anything. I'll just turn you off so you're not coming out of the house. And right. That's fine. Like, Dude, I have this all the time. I play Josh, drums mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I play drums mostly. And there's been times when I've played bass and the drummer won't shut up. And I'm like, you don't have a volume. You need to, like, shut up. You're, you can't do that. Are, are you that dude, Josh? No, <laughs> I don't do that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, it yeah. feels like I'm the only one that understands that. Oh, man. I I'm always used to have, one. like, I used to have, like, real conversations with, ba- like, bands. I'm, this is, like, way back, like, when we were local bands being, like, when you go to these shows, like, don't fuck around. Like, it's just I don't want people to not like us personally. Dude, for sure. Well, that's <laughs> that's the, the most important thing is that people don't think of us and think, oh, they're that band that wouldn't shut up. That's the thing I think with um with with my band that we talk about a lot, and especially in today's day, like everyone already has a target on their back. Like bands are getting canceled left and right, and some rightfully so, but a lot of them it's just like he said, she said stuff, but we are in a position now where it's like the bands, like these people, the, the fans are your fans. The other bands are not your friends. Like go there and treat them with respect. Realize that you're the small band. Like you're the low man on the totem pole. Like don't get in their way. Don't go in their green room. Mm-hmm. You know, always ask for permission. Be, be polite. Like it was just like one of those things where we try to tread really lightly when we're, you know, like the small band on the bill. And I, I think good. we see a lot of other bands that don't do that. And it's like, it's not only cringeworthy because it's like 
especially a band like the used it's like th- this band i discovered that band in sixth grade right and I'm, that's and I'm 29 mm-hmm. and like we're out there opening for them so it's like this dude is not my homie he doesn't give a shit about what i have to say he's been on tour with a million bands he might forget my band so like the best thing you can do is just be helpful if they need something you know like ask if they need anything from you when you see them in the morning you know like ask if you can be helpful in any way don't ask to a fucking guest spot like mm-hmm. just stay out of the band's way and um, right i think that that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is when you know smaller bands especially don't know they don't they don't like oh, man they don't know their role so to speak or right like where they belong in the in the in order totally true and especially when i mean i think thankfully i haven't had an exp- every opener that we've had on on tours in the past couple years has been amazing sure. so i haven't had any issues with them but uh, there have been instances like before on tour with like, you know, when the locals would be either a hometown show or somewhere they know people and they're just trying to kind of show off and be like, yeah, we're on the tour and bringing yeah. people around places. Like there's nothing more invasive than that. Oh, it's, when they'll like bring their friends into like the green room and shit. Yeah. It's, it's especially if it's like a shared green room and stuff. It's like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. Like, we've always kind of had that philosophy. Like if, if we're in a shared green room, like just don't bring anybody in. That's like mm-hmm. one of the shows where we just don't get to have guests. If you want to hang out with them, we can go out to the van. Right. Um, like, or go in the general areas, go outside, you go in the foyer. Yeah. Like you just, unfortunately we can't like, we never want to be that band. That's like dominating the green room with like our, friends and luckily on the last tour it was only two bands so we we pretty much had a green room every night but there was times where there was like a shared like a great space like a large area where like all the bands were kind of in the yeah, same area, just a big common area. and those yeah. nights it was more like hey green rooms in the van tonight and it was like right. you know you get groans and stuff like that from people but it's like dude do we want to be that band that like respects how long these dudes have been grinding they've been in a band for right. longer than some of us have been alive you know what's funny is we just had that, that we we had like we just did our Last year, we did the Octane tour that we headlined, right? And then immediately, well, not immediately from there, but our next tour was in Europe, and we were the opener with, for Hollywood Undead in Papa Roach. So it was going from being like, yeah, we have the big green room, everyone else is a shared room, to being like, oh, no, our green room's on the bus tonight, and we have to stay the fuck out of people's way. Yeah. And okay. everything's rushed. you know. So it is like, even when you get to the point where you have those experiences you have to check yourself all the time to like get back to that like oh no 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 i'm i'm lower on the totem pole this time you know yeah and even i think even having a bus to just be your green room is totally cool like that oh yeah of course i'm not gonna i don't complain about it by any means but you know it's just a different experience 100 percent. yeah i think you know there were definitely times where we had to have those conversations where it's like hey like the fucking punisher that you brought tonight like that can't happen again and we and mm-hmm. we you know we have never done a bus tour but it's something that we definitely talk about um when we do have a bus which is like this is everyone's safe space so maybe like the front lounge yeah you can bring people but nobody goes in the back lounge besides the band like mm-hmm. that's our place to get away nobody goes through the bunk area like we've thought ahead about this stuff because especially like you said when we're touring in a van we get so little free time, like so little us time that like being in the green room sometimes is like, this is the only place that I'm going to get like 30 minutes to just be by myself. Right. Or just in the presence of my bandmates. That's not inside a band. Yeah. So think about, you know, think about that stuff. Like the band to you, it's like you just rolled out of bed, played video games for four hours and then went to the show. 
Um, but these bands have been on the road for three weeks, haven't seen, you know, their loved ones have been, you know, shitting in bags or whatever on the bus. Like, <laughs> give these guys a fucking break. Right. Dude, you're, you got to figure it out, man. <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time. And I, I think sometimes people don't, they don't remember that. Like, cause, cause when I first started touring, I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, I did too. Same thing. So, so it takes a while, right? Like you, but you learn to understand. You said, like, you're 29, right? Yeah. How old am I? I'm 31. <laughs> I'm 31. I'm thir- I thought I was 30 for a second, but I'm yeah, 31. So, so yeah, like we've had a similar experience and I think I try to help the guys understand that a lot. Like, look, I've been around the fucking block. For some of the dudes, like for for two of the dudes in our band, like I'm always surprised at how late in life like people have never toured that have been musicians for a long time. I think yeah. the Used Tour was our drummer's first tour ever as a, as a player. What a great um, tour for a first tour, dude! Right? And I think I feel like he's gonna be jaded now. He's like, "What the fuck? What happened? We were playing <laughs> all our shows, but we, uh, you know." And I think Fluff hadn't toured for real until rest repose jared hadn't i was the only one that had been on like a myriad of tours and had like years of touring experience and so when i was like you know here's the deal a lot of them would just defer to my leadership but we still have some where it's like you know i'll have to like explain to them like why why you don't just go straight to the showers like after you're done mm-hmm. playing or mm-hmm. you know in some cases why you do just go straight to the showers because right right get the fuck out of their way before they get off the stage. Like it's funny the- how like that stuff, you know, I mean, even before I joined ice nine, my, my bands were never touring on that scale. So it was, it's interesting, like being thrown into that. And there's all these like rules that you don't know exist <laughs> when you first start doing it, but you yeah. learn very quickly because people put you in your place. Oh, hundred percent. And that, that's what I was trying to tell them. I was like, let me spare you the awkwardness of being scolded by the tour manager daily by just telling you like a few things that not to do. Right. Um, and it, it, the last tour was pretty made easy by the fact that like our manager was in the, the headlining band. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's definitely pretty easy to tip. And those around. dudes have such like a great reputation too, that they're not going to get upset about. No, they're shit. such, they were such sweet guys. They were actually really nice. It was like, it, it was like to the point where we had to have conversations as a band, like, Hey, they're being really nice, but don't get comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. don't act like they're like, don't be chummy with them. Remember your P's and Q's. Be nice. But like, remember, there's still a balance here, like still a power balance. And we want to treat those guys with the respect that they deserve and that they've right. been trying to earn for like 30 years as, as touring musicians. Totally. So, but, but there was also like, like, man, we, we did tours with one of the first days, bro. Like, ugh, one of our bimmers like set his like drink on, um, their text stuff and it didn't spill but just being there i was right, like yeah that's an issue head. i was like bro what the fuck are you thinking like if that <laughs> would have spilled i know um, and it's just stuff like that where it's like that's exactly where my mind would have gone to dude <laughs> that's so funny well it's it, it and then fuck we were giving shit to like we played the troubadour um the second show of the tour and if you play okay. the troubadour it's not a wow big that's so sick yeah, it's, with the it was, unions, that must have been wild, dude. It was it was weird because like Travis Barker was there, Machine Gun Kelly was there, like Johnny Craig nah. was there. It was like a who's who, right? Because it's L.A. Feldy was right, there, right? Yeah. Um, Eric German came out. Like it was just like who wasn't there? Like that's really everyone funny. Everyone who's anyone type of thing. K Rock was out there covering the show, which is like the biggest radio station in L.A. Right, right, yeah. Um, so so I was talking to Joey, our our manager and the guitar player, and I was just feeding him shit i was like damn joe you had to have two cabs huh 
because he because like the calves would like push out to where it was like right you had no space yeah but i was like totally flipping him shit and their drummer their drum tech like like chewed my head off bro he was like man if i was you i would just be happy to be here and i was like half of me was like first of all fuck you like you don't know me you don't know the dynamic right right yeah but then i was like didn't say i was like oh no dude like we're totally stoked to be here i was just i was just messing and he kept fucking like put like prodding me about it and their their guitar tech at the time taylor is like also one of our quote-unquote managers i guess um he's with the same company and he was like dude chill the fuck out like he they're they're kidding and and i have ended up just swallowing my pride and apologizing to him and i didn't i knew i wasn't wrong but right. it was one of those things i was just you like, gotta do it what am i gonna get from like pushing that wasn't me? josh was it uh i don't know the dudes i don't they call him something else but yeah then it wasn't him okay never mind. <laughs> no, I, I think i know who you're talking about um I don't know his last name. Yeah. So yeah, this dude, he was cool. By the end of the tour, it was like, he was oh, a I lot nicer. That everything was fine. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where it was like, yo, day two. And this dude's coming for me. Right. Like just going for my fucking throat on the second day. So I was like, all right. You know, what's oh, funny oh. is it usually is the crew members. <laughs> always the crew members, bro. It's never the bandmates. It's always like. Yeah. The bands are usually super chill because they don't give a shit because everyone else is doing that work. Totally right. right? It's the people that have to do the work that get upset. We did. uh, So when I was in a band called The Sheds, that was the last band I was in before I left California, and it was like a ska punk band. And we did this tour called uh, Tonight We Unite. It was like a festival tour, and it was the Casualties, The Necromantics, Down by Law, Lower Class Brass, Flatfoot Fifty Six, and that sounds so sick. It was uh, it was so rad, but it was also such a weird tour. But that's kind of where I cut my teeth. Was like learning like what not to do and like. The crew team in that tour was super, super cool, but everyone – it was like without fail, so one of the bands would have like a dude that would just like harsh the vibe of the entire tour. And it was almost always like the biggest band on the tour. So it was like, oh, what are you going to say? Like what are you going to do? Get yourself kicked off the tour because you're mad that this dude like cuts the line at catering? Like bro, deal with it. Yeah. It's just one of those things like you, anything. you just got to establish yourself. Like – it's it's like anywhere you go, right? It's like a job. It's like it's like being on a it sports is. team. It is. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, there are certain order. people that get certain privileges, whether they deserve them or not, just because of the position that they're in. And you, it's, some of them don't take advantage of them, which is great. But some do. A lot of them don't. A lot of a lot. I'd of, say like, most of them don't. Yeah, that's that's like for me, that's like the instant red flag. Like, there's a difference between like realizing like, okay, I have annoyed this person, and that's on me. And this dude is just a fucking prick. And like right. sometimes there's a little bit of hazing that goes on, you know, early on the tour, people will pretend to be really cold and callous to you. And by like the fifth show, you guys are like best friends. Right. So it's like some of that you just kind of have to like wade through and realize like filter it out. You're just panning for like the little bits of gold that they're going to give you. But the mm. first couple of shows might be rough. Like they might fuck with you a little bit. They don't want your shit in the way. Like, you know, we've, we've tried to establish ourselves like that too, where it's like, we'll just ask like, where are we the most out of the way? And if they're like mm-hmm. outside, that's where we set up. Right. You know, like unless it's raining, we've, we've started. Like, they'll up- remember that shit too. You know, For like sure. all the, and, and not only just the bands, like the crew, they're going like, to remember you're, the, you're the people that are going to be employing them at some point, you know, potentially. Yeah. We've already talked to yeah. like their LD and their, their sound guy about like right, right. coming out with us. So it's, it's like they're, they, but they don't feel the need to interview for that job. Right. It's almost like you have to sell people in the industry on why they should give a fuck to work with you. Right. 
And, yeah, that's true. And it's there's bad. less LDs around than there are band members. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially there's a lot less good ones. Right. So you want these people to like give a shit about your band. And a lot of that happens on the stage too. Because if you go up there and embarrass yourself, you're not just embarrassing yourself. You're the only other fucking band that this band picked to go on the tour. Right. Like get up there and, and like show that they know what they're talking about because they picked another band that gives a fuck about what they're doing. But yeah. I can't tell you how many times we've had bands play with us or we've taken bands out. And it's like one of the bands we took out on a tour started with five members and ended the tour with two. Dude, I have a very similar story. It involved a public breakup on stage and someone passing out drunk in the middle of a set. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what? A public breakup from one of the band members? Or the band Yeah, breakup? the band breaking up in the middle of the set oh. on, on stage in front of people. Where was it? Reno, maybe. <laughs> oh that's like the, per- that's the perfect thing. Like, that's the only thing that can happen to Reno. That's it was fucking insane. But that <sighs> I, I can't get into it too much. I don't want to say who it is. There but... was a lot of um, the band. So the when when Asking Alexandria had like their their drama, mm-hmm. the, the show where Danny like left the band was in Seattle. So like a ton of my friends were at that show. I think one of my friends played the show, and it was just like all the like all that anybody was talking about. Like for the next yeah. couple of weeks was just like oh my god they fucking like they like exploded on stage and like everything fell apart in the middle of the show it was crazy and it's like luckily they bounced back from that but man don't like what a spectacle so just like try not to be that band but that well yeah don't be that band (laughs) that's what happens though because like like you were talking about earlier bands don't know their limits a lot of the times and they think like bro we're on the fucking tour with this band that we love so much and let's make idiots out of ourselves it's like dude never meet your heroes right but like also don't be an idiot in front of your heroes there's so many people that do that that get these rad tours and it's like how was the tour and they're like oh it was so sick we just got drunk every night and like we're partying with the bands and i'm like oh cool they fucking hate you right because like (laughs) they they like partying but the thing that they don't want to do is party with like the opening band who doesn't know how to hold their liquor and like almost gets beat up by the like the bouncer at the tiki bar we went to oh my god that sounds like an actual story yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) too specific to be like just an anecdote wow yeah it was like a, a just a friend's band that came through town and like the opening band is a band that actually ended up really 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 liking like became one of my favorite bands for the year but but i remember just talking to them at the time and them all just being drunk and just being like, we're like, who's watching you guys? How are you getting to the next city? And it was just so oh, weird to me that God. it was like, I yeah. feel like the other people in these like other, you're the parent now kind of. Yeah. But it was like, I felt like these other people in these other bands were just like, yeah, it's this fucking band, like fucking label made us take them out and they're idiots, but they paid the fucking buy on. So what are you going to do? Oh, uh, that sucks. Yeah, it's, it's troublesome, but that's, you know, I feel like this is just turning into an advice podcast for like small bands. Okay. That's like what a lot of our, this fan base oh, is. Good. So that's fine. Good. Um, well, let's move back. So, so the used tour happened. How was the result of that? Like, did you guys see a huge uptick? I, it's, man, like what a hard question to answer, right? Cause like, what even is that? And I know. Like, yeah. When, when was that tour? That was right before the pandemic. Like it ended in March. I think it was like late January to early March. Got it. So Got cold it. as shit. Um, a lot of snow. But we we saw a lot of immediate feedback, like in in terms of like like merch sales. Um, mm-hmm. But it's weird because there was shows where it was like St. Louis was was like the crowd. The crowd didn't really perform for us, you know, like they didn't give a shit about us. But we sold more merch that night than anywhere else. 
So it was like, wow. what is happening? It was really tough. It's interesting to, to see the different uh, the way crowds respond in different spots. Yeah, there was some some of them were like really really like rampant with like buying, you know, like the merch and like showing their support, but didn't do yeah. it didn't do it on stage. And we learned a lot about that tour because th- like that night we were trying to dissect that. We're like, what happened? Like, what was different? Because we were crushing the Midwest, and then we hit a run of like St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit where it was just like, what is happening? Like all these crowds didn't turn on us, but it was like very obvious that they weren't there for us, mm-hmm. you know? And then we played like we played like Colorado and New York where it was just like, have these people heard of us before or something? Like crowds are going crazy. Um, so it just depended on where we were. And like some yeah. nights we were just hitting some the Some crowds spot. are more active. Yeah, it's so, like whenever we play LA, it looks like we're playing to a bunch of statues. Ugh, well, that's LA, dude. That's kind of yeah, half of left. It's like for the biggest city in America, you know, like you would think that there would be much better populace for music music people, especially because it's an entertainment city. Like it's Hollywood. Yeah, I know. And that, the LA shit. crowds are, are boring. <laughs> yeah, we've we that's why we always skip LA and we just play Anaheim. There you go. Granted, it's like you the same chain. market. Oh yeah, we play chain. Yeah, always. I love playing chain. It's never bad. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's about a culture of music and for, in LA for so long, it was like the strip, like your band, like touring band had to pay to play like the key club or the rainbow. Room. Oh, I know. Stupid. Yeah. The whiskey, um, the whiskey, a go, go. Yeah. Or the Viper room where walking yep. Phoenix died and 10 people came to your show. Right. Um, so we, we essentially, we, we saw like an immediate response where people were like buying the merch and be like, I love your band, taking pictures, like getting autographs, you know, like the normie way that people show that they love your band mm-hmm. um but it was it was hard to like quantify because so much can happen and like with the metrics we really look at are typically just spotify um but so right, much can right. happen on spotify on its own because we had just released the album like right before the tour um okay so it was like things were just kind of happening on their own sure so it's hard to say i think we Man, still have a lot like of- a great tour with an album release Dude, it was like the perfect. perfect storm it was like everything yeah, was that's like, great everything's going our way and nothing can stop us and then it's no like, nothing <laughs> so that was tight to have like the yeah. major pandemic like them and and we had momentum too like we had all these other tour offers happening but we had really we had also dealt with like a fair share of adversity because the the like month before we were supposed to go on tour with um being as an ocean and they okay so so literally two days notice they were like, yo, you want to be on this tour? Like this band just dropped off, pack your shit. You got to leave in two days. And we did it. And I was so proud of everyone in the band. Um, like I was literally That's recording. Crazy. I was finishing the album in Arizona when I got the call. And I was like, what the fuck do I do? Like canceled, the, like shorted the recording session. I think we ended it early, flew back home, got in the van, me and one other dude, me and the guitarist at the time, drove the van down to LA and we got from Seattle to Bakersfield. You ever been to Bakersfield? Yep. It's not where you want to be. No. And it's definitely not where you want to receive bad news. So we got there and then our manager called us and he's like, dude, I'm stop, stop driving. Like wherever you're at, pull over. So I was like, what's up? And he's like, give me 10 minutes. And he called me and he was like, the tour got canceled. The dudes weren't stoked on the sales. So just turn around and go home. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. Like I just asked five dudes to upgrade their lives and basically like bend the knee to their girlfriends or whatever about leaving with two days notice and call their jobs, do all this shit. Like he's like, yeah, it's fucked up. I'm sorry. That's killer. So, so that was right before the used tour. Right. And like, so we went home and like just sat around for a couple months and then, then they got the used offer. 
So it was like, all right, things are starting to turn around for us. And then like right after that, we come home and then like all of our tours and shows get canceled for like the rest of the year. So we had a show with Beartooth planned, um, it, that one that we were supposed to happen in like Minnesota. We were going to do a run with them, like a small sh- run of shows, which is like one of my favorite bands. Um, so I was like really hyped at the time. And then the oh. COVID thing, and it's just like, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? So like, and now we've started like writing our second album and like we put out like mm-hmm. two. That's all you can really do. Yeah. We put out two more singles since then. And, um, we're doing one more single during the holiday. Um, can't really talk much about, but. Right. So are you going to do any sort of like live stream stuff like that? Yes, actually. Um, we are planning that now. I don't know what I can say, but I'll say some stuff and whatever. It might be just an exclusive for your audience. <laughs> but yeah, we're going down to California on, on, uh, at the beginning of, of December. Oh, great. To, to do like a live stream thing in LA. Um, so. Well, definitely let me know when you're here. Oh, that's right. Sure. Yeah. You're living there now. I definitely will. It'd be cool to see yeah. you. I think it's, I think it's just in, in the city. So should be close to wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, well, that's cool. I mean, it's tough to see, uh, you know, every, every, obviously every band is kind of at like a standstill right now, but that seems like it's, I mean, it's even more impactful in your situation given that you had all that momentum as like a launch pad and then it just kind of disappeared. That sucks, man. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at least you're like still kicking it though. Right. Like you haven't seen like, it, it hasn't like, uh, let me try to figure out the best way to phrase this. Your, your band isn't like falling apart or anything or rather like seeing I, all I've seen is your name continue to come up places. So I got to imagine that you're still growing. Yeah, I think um, I think we're, I mean, we are so ingrained in that, like the, the, the like internet way of doing things for because because so, um, basically like, what what Fluff does right, being content creator, what I do managing content creators, we kind of know, um, we kind of know how to like make it happen with nothing going on. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of what we've always done. So we just kind of fall back on releasing singles. That's the safest thing that you can do. Right. Um, and then I guess after that, it's just about staying relevant. Like, so how can we do cool, cool, different things, you know, like engaging with our fans. Um, yeah. Like yeah. we were pretty early to like the whole making puzzles thing. Um, okay. Yep. 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 And That's it's just stuff cool. like that. Like what I almost, I almost was against the idea of the, um, of the live stream. I didn't really want to do it and I didn't want to do it because it was what everybody else was doing. Um, like I really, yeah, I understand like, that the flaming too. lips just did. Did you see that? No. What did they do? They did a concert where everybody in attendance had to be inside like one of those big plastic bubbles. Oh, that's funny. Which is so rad. Like it's a unique perspective on, on the live show and like a safe way to keep everyone like healthy. And, and I think the singer like just, you know, I think it was really just his excuse to just like roll into the crowd in his bubble. But it was, right. it was such a that's rad great. idea where it was like, you know, I'm looking around the room, like I want to like throw shit and be like, why didn't anyone think of that? You know, like, yeah, where are you guys? Well, those bands have the money to afford to think of that stuff too. I mean, what would it really cost? I guess I don't really know. <laughs> like I, 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 I have know. no idea. All I know, like I keep thinking about what it would be like if we did ice nine did like a live performance right now. And you know, like our whole thing is movies, right? So we would absolutely do a drive in, but we also like, don't like, we're so embedded into that, like horror, like going over the top with everything. Like our live show has like actors in it and shit. So like it. we'd have to do that 
it in that kind of experience and do it like way over the top, right? Because it could be like a haunted thing, but like, I don't, I can't even logistically figure out how to even get started with something like that, you know? Yeah, I think that sounds like such a huge project to me because we'd have to film a bunch of shit. I mean, this is me just talking out of my ass, you know, like I I have no idea um, if management is doing other shit or whatever, but so that's, that's like the, the trouble that I sometimes have with all of this stuff is it's like, okay, cool. Like we can't, you know, because you think that like, oh, it'd be so expensive. How much are those fucking balls? Like you could probably directly order them from China for 30 bucks a piece. Yeah. And then you yeah. charge 80 bucks a ticket to cover the ticket plus the cost of the ball. And then, you know, you're up. But it's like, it's, it's really easy to, to think like, oh, that's going to be too expensive or too hard or whatever it is. But then you think about your regular live show and how much goes into that. And it's like, I guarantee you a lot of people are losing a lot more night's sleep trying to figure out your live show than they yeah, are like, how do we put people in the Probably true. Um, yeah, you guys have that's very production. true. Uh, and, and we right. typically don't. But that's what, that's one of the things that like our manager was talking about where he's like, we'll do one of these live shows and like, you know, like here's the splits and the cuts and everyone takes X, X, Y, Z. And at the end you'll end up with X dollars. And I'm like, well, it's like, Joey, we're not doing this for the money. Like it doesn't really matter if, if it, if it costs us money, it's fine. It's a cost of doing business. It costs us money to tour a lot. Like we've had to go into our pockets a lot to do cool shit, but that's part of what, part of why we do it is to do something cool rather than to make money. Like mm-hmm. luckily a lot of us have jobs that are supportive and that we make enough money to where it's like, this is not our day job yet. And until it really, really, really is, it just won't be. Right. Um, and I tried yeah. to explain to him because I was like, and, and, and like I said, I've been around before. Like I, I get a sense for how much this stuff costs. I run my own business. So whenever somebody tells you like it's going to cost X, it's like, okay, add 30% to that because mm-hmm. there's always hidden costs that you either don't know about or you're not being told about. Right. So for this live stream, it was like, all right, cool. We're getting a sick deal because we did some trades, like some gear trades and we hooked so-and-so up with this thing in exchange of giving us this live stream thing for X dollars. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, that's pretty expensive, but it is what it is. And, and you know, like we, our management was pretty, pretty like, um, pretty into the fact that we would make our money back. They were like, no, mm-hmm. for sure. You'll make yeah, all your money back. And I was like, all right, we won't, but it is what it is. No big deal. And then <laughs> by the time the show comes around, it's like, okay, cool. So what do you want to do about like the led light walls? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do you want to like have your own guy do graphics or do you want to choose their graphics? And then you look at their graphics and you're like, well, we're definitely going to want our own guy to do it. Because otherwise, it's just like a static moving picture in the background with like the colors changing. Right, it's like right, when you right. have like the house guy do your lights. Right, right. Just right, like yeah. spinning. Especially you know. for a live stream, like you you can't do that. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, there's another like whatever 1500 bucks that we're going to have to pay like this artist guy to do this thing. You know, like it just – the stuff adds up. So it's like yeah. at the end of the day, like what can we do that's way, way sicker that won't cost as much money? You know, like Beartooth just did their, their show, their drive-in show. And apparently yeah. it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. so it's like what are we doing everyone's trying to like it's the problem that i've had with 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 everything that every band i've ever been in has ever done and it's that we're following the status quo it's like like you guys that's why i've actually like before like you guys really started to, to lean into this new thing that you're doing no offense i didn't give a shit about iceland kills but now yeah. i'm like okay like i'm listening like you have my attention because I I have a million metalcore bands in my playlists, you know. My, my no, you are a hundred percent right. I mean, in the in in 
you can see i mean you're right in just like the evidence is there like you can see that the fans latched on too yeah when like it became more of a thing than just like oh this band's trend topping well that's why i tell our guys a lot so i'm like you can't argue with the results of what of the music you're putting out if people aren't listening to the shit that you're doing then then okay cool we did something wrong like i i don't care if if like I guess what I was trying to say is you guys were like, cool, what can we do that's that's cool but also different? And I think that that's a, that's the perspective I try to get like our guys, our management team to see when we make decisions. Like, yeah, we could just put out another lyric video or we could try to go to the city council and ask them if we can like, you know, light the fucking town hall on fire. Like, why don't right. we try to do something different? At least like the worst they can say is no, but at least right. we, at least we tried. You know, like I've yeah. been a fan of like Blink One Eighty Two. I think they did their video for like Rock Show, like Girl at the Rock Show, right? And they yep, just, like, yep. and they just run around and did stupid shit. Yeah, and like spent the fucking yep. money however they wanted. Or like Red Fang did the same thing where they like get a check yep. from Relapse for like ten grand and they just bought like cars and had a demo derby. Right. Like yeah, it's great. Like, so much cooler than like doing a performance video with like Pyro. It's like okay, I've seen this before. Right. So, yeah. I you know I, that's what I want. I agree. Want, like I, I want totally to see you cool shit. Like. I'm People so appreciate that stuff. You know who's the best example of that is? Is that band OK Go? Yes, dude. Are you, dude? They that's like the extreme version of it, where it's like this had right? to cost a hundred thousand dollars, and like I don't, <laughs> I don't have the time to choreograph like this crazy like Rube Goldberg slash art exhibit that they that really one. Do. But do you remember their first one on the treadmills? Even before that, it was just in. So that band's from Boston. They can't. They're from like two towns over from me. They were already like you know way old. I think they pl- they played in my younger sister's second grade classroom before they were big. Oh shit! Yeah, because her her teacher was one of the singer's aunt or something. What's that? Um, so that the here it goes again. That was the song that was like in Madden or something. And yes, that was that the one great. that that I knew of them. Um, what which one are you talking about? I, I don't remember what the, the song one. is called. The Rube Goldberg one is amazing. That's super cool. They apparently did um, one in a fucking airplane thing. Yep, I saw that. Oh, I, I've seen all of it. It's mind. nuts. It's insane. Um, but the first video they put out that actually, like, it didn't blow them up quite as much as, like, the treadmill one. That was enormous. But it put them on the map was this video of them just doing this, like, cheesy choreographed dance in one of their backyards that like the bass player or someone in the band's sister had choreographed like that day. And they just like, and the singer wasn't even lip syncing the words. It was the, I think it was the bass player that was pretending to be the singer in the video just because he was the funniest one. And they just danced around for like three minutes and the video was like huge. People, I don't think that people truly realize um, like how much money you can make the money back from having a badass music video like the like this video has 44 million views on like one of their videos and then 28 million 21 million 45 million 66 million crazy like 53 million the 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 videos are paying for themselves if you have a cool idea right um is it that's what's actually valuable the one you're talking about i think yes that's the one a million ways it's just it's so funny too five million views later i've never heard this song but but yeah, five million great. people watch the music video, so right. That's what I'm talking about. This this music video is made for free. Yeah, for no money. You can tell it's like a grainy video. Yeah, it's a shitty, it's a boring <laughs> video. But, yeah, it's great. But it's like I always tell people that, and this is the, like this is almost what I'm talking about. Like this is the the good music versus a, versus like image. Two of the dudes in this this band are bald, or bald, right? 
The other yep. two look like they're twins, have like the exact <laughs> same haircut. So it's like, what are we talking about here? Right. You're spending hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars on these music videos because you need to get the permits for like the laser machine and the pyro and stuff. But it's unnecessary. It's also it's also I don't know. It just seems like it's all dick stroking. Because I'd rather have this music video than like get higher, you know, spikely to direct right. the next music video. It just seems it's a so cooler scary. video. It's a cooler video because it's it's, it's, it's honest and it's real. Totally you know? right. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's so authentic and so genuine because you can tell these dudes just sat down one day and were like, "Fuck it." Label probably said no to our budget. So it's that's almost sometimes the best ideas is where somebody says, no, we don't like that idea. And you're like, right. All right. What about this? And they say yes. And you just make the dumbest video that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And it turns out being so sick. Like I really wanted to do a video. Um, okay. Well, I want to get like one of those um, houses, you know, like where you turn to a radio station and they like program it to like a song. Wait, what? Like for like Christmas time, like when when you program the lights oh, outside yes, your yes, house. Yes, yes, Sorry, I was yes, totally yes, unclear yes, about that. Just yes, like, I got you. You want to program a house? <laughs> make any sense? But I want to do like that with our music, and I want to like do a music video like that. I think that that would be so much more so much sicker if we did like those lights in front of one of our houses, and then like did the live stream in front of the house. Like that would be way cooler. I love that. Um, that is a good idea. But but I I think about that a lot, where it's like. I, I kind of get pissed when it's like, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to do like the label wants us to do like this thing. And I'm like, fuck me, man. Like, of course they want us to do that. It's because that's what everyone else is doing. But like, what, is, what are people not doing? Is there anyone mm -hmm. that works at our fucking, you know, and I'm, I'm saying this anecdotally. I don't feel like this about our label or our management, but I've had this in the past where I'm just like, is there anybody that works at our, at our management team or at our fucking, this company that's representing us that has a good idea and right like, that happens instead a lot of just like following the other bigger band that did right something. and i and i feel i feel bad because sometimes i feel like well you know like it's definitely our responsibility but I, but my bummer is when i bring a good idea and it gets like it gets shut, shut down, down. i wonder like, if it's because like you know sometimes those ideas are riskier and it's it reflects poorly on them I mean, maybe, but like, how could you, how could you lose? I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. I agree. I totally agree. I think uh, th there's, like, I just love seeing a band do something like honest and creative and yeah. like cool, you but know? Just, yeah. It's just that, like, we're, I think we've been so comfortable as like a scene, as like a, a you know, cohort of people doing what is safe. And that's why I'm like yeah. a really big fan of what you guys are doing in like the new Machine Gun Kelly stuff, because it's not safe. No, not at all. People could have. And look at MGK just had a number one album and he's playing pop punk from 15 years ago. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like his girlfriend is Megan Fox. So it's like, right. Like, he's doing okay. He's not winning. Right. So, the, you know, those are the things that I think about a lot are like, you know, whatever Hobo Johnson is just like in his backyard, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. doing something genuine and authentic. Yeah, very it's cool. like, man, how I, I, I get so disenfranchised and I feel like I'm just complaining and like I don't want people listening to this to hear me for the first time think I'm just a fucking bitter dude. But lately, you know yeah, I'm a little bit bitter. This is great. I, I think this is great because like, you know, coming from two people that I guess I would consider us, you know, seasoned touring musicians. Yeah. Well, I mean, right? more than half of our lives. Right. Um, and 
he, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are aspiring musicians or aspiring to even be in a band. I mean, I know like even Josh, like has, was telling me that he's learned a ton just from being present in these podcasts. Cause you know, he's working in a band right now too. So I know people want to hear this shit. So I, I think this stuff is great. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I try to think about that a lot. Like who's doing cool shit. Who's doing something different. Um, and not just like, what can we throw money at? You know, like mm-hmm. we, we did that, like with our, with our next song that's coming out, it's a Christmas song. Um, and it's an original. And I was like really, really, really hot on the idea of going, it's a town, town up here called Leavenworth, which is like, um, you, you live in California now, mm-hmm. but you probably don't know about it. There's a town called Solvang. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a Bavarian town. So like there's a bunch okay. of windmills and all of the – like the city code and city ordinance says if you want to have a building there or like a, uh, a business in the city, it's got to look like it's in the Alps of Switzerland or got something. It, right? it, Even the it, McDonald's. It. Like it's got that like – Yeah, it's got – It's a, a weird type font. Yeah, it's like a, a music yeah. park city. So I wanted to do the video there and we reached out to the city council and they were kind of down and, and our label's like, no, the music video has to be turned in by this date. And so it's not going to work. You know, and mm-hmm. the lights don't go up until like Thanksgiving. So it was just like – Stuff like that where I get frustrated. Um, and, right. and overall, I want to say on the record, our label has been very cooperative and very, very cool. But they have – you know, when you're letting a label into your band and you're letting them buy a piece of your prod, or your project or your product, yeah. they get to have a say. Right. And so, it's sometimes like an like, investment for them. Totally. And they're thinking, mm-hmm. they're thinking about I, – I feel – Sometimes I feel bad because I feel like the labels kind of think about it wrong and it's hard to sway them, especially – and it's not always the people that work at the label because 90% of people at the label have been like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And then it gets to the very top and then that's where it starts to become a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we, we got – one of our ideas was just like allowing people to use our music because so we come from – you know, like our guitar player is a YouTuber and I, I manage content creators. So I manage like a bunch of the big dudes on the platform. Right, we're going to get into that too. I want to ask about that. Okay. Um, well, but, this is a good segue. but the, but the yeah. point is I, I wanted the label to allow content creators to utilize our music, um, you know, transformatively for 90 days, like free and clear anything that was mm-hmm. uploaded from the date of the release to the a 90 day mark they could use for free. It wouldn't get whitelisted. It wouldn't get rejected. It wouldn't get like, or excuse me, it wouldn't get blacklisted. It would, it would be theirs to use and theirs to earn on for 90 days um because you know coming yeah from, that's cool i just got an email this morning from spine farm because one of my clients reacted to the new um while she sleeps like the sleep society uh-huh. and they they were like yeah we noticed you couldn't use the whole video like we would have loved to see like the whole song you know, dude i there. we uh, we get flagged as members of ice nine yeah. for live streaming playthroughs on instagram yep yep which is ridiculous i mean but you have access to your label where you could just say hey why right, this? right right these guys don't but um i think one of the case studies i put together was a band called um eskimo callboy yeah i know that band so their their thing like the hypa hypa video if you just go type in hypa hypa you can look at like the, the reactions. Actually, I'm just going to type in reaction. But I did a case study where it's like it was over, I think, like 3 million plays um, on just reaction videos alone. And it was wow. like all these people don't get to earn. A lot of times the label's stifling them, like shutting – not even label, whoever is, the BMG or the publisher, whatever. It, it's, it's a number of people that do it. Um, but there's a, a, a bunch of people who are stifling 
they're, they're getting in their own way. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it, like the, the video for Eskimo Callboy, this is not a big band. And I'm pretty sure it's yeah, like I'm a, looking at all these reaction I'm pretty videos sure it's like right a Euro now. band. But this, Crazy. this like their, their official video has 7.3 million views. And it's kind of a meme video. I, it's not a video I would watch. I think it's kind of silly, but you can look at like, they've been able to monetize off this so well because they, you know, they, they do like reactions to the people reacting to it in the, yeah, movie, I the see video. That one, there. one of my clients, yeah. two of my clients, actually, I'm looking at the top, the top videos, the reactions, and two of them are my clients. One of them is Nick Nocturnal, who has almost 400,000 views. And the other one is uh, Wyatt, <clears throat> Wyatt Staff, who has 320,000 views. And wow. that's almost a, like, that's almost a, a, the three quarters, more than three quarters of a million views just to let them use the song. And they don't make any money from that. And in a lot of cases, the video won't even be allowed to live. Like they'll just shut it Those down. reaction videos? Yeah. Like a lot of times the label will stop them from using it. Like it'll get, like you'll see, you can see almost all of them in a lot of cases. I'm going to click on this one just to see. A lot of times it'll show like this, this video used on behalf of XYZ. So this one is not. And I feel like that's probably why, but there you'll see a lot of times, like if people are reacting to a really popular band, like there was a, like a joke, like a running joke that anytime one of my, my client, Jared, Jared Dines, he, he hummed the, like the melody for smoke on the water and they claimed it. Wow. Yeah. So, so just like, just to kind of see what would happen. And we thought that we thought that that's what would happen. But they, they basically take the video at that point and they take all the earnings from the video. Not all of them, but but a predominant amount of them because they own – That's the crazy. So that – anyway, the point is that that was one of my ideas. I was like, why don't we let – why don't we – we become known as like – we're a fucking punk band. Like what's more punk than like letting people earn, like helping people earn Yeah, yeah. by trading what – because it's not like – it's not like we're doing them a fucking favor. People have, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of followers. Yeah, they're helping you out too. Right. Mobilize their audience. Like I can't even imagine how many people reacted to your guys' stuff. You have an Iceland Kills, the first know. thing that comes up is reaction. Is that true? After the band. It's Iceland Kills and then Iceland Kills reaction. On, yeah, that's on, pretty high on up on mine too. So yeah. if I if I filter it by like view count, um, obviously the first ones are gonna be you guys. But once you get to like past your music videos, there's a bunch of like people, you know, reacting to your music videos or doing, that's or crazy. doing covers to your stuff that's like in the hundreds of thousands. So yeah. wild. Yeah. You like Nick Nick did a video actually, fifty thousand views. Oh, he did? Yeah. And then this other dude, Truant, fifty thousand views, another one fifty thousand views. So these add up. Like oh and over oh, like once you get to the bottom of the list, you probably passed, you know, five to five to ten million worth of free views that you guys got from people who maybe have never heard your band before. So I really wanted to spearhead that. And especially being somebody who manages this talent, it was like, well, I could, I could mobilize these people and be like, yo, if you want to use our songs for 90 days, we'll give you, you free to use them however you want, as long as it's transformative. So that means like a reaction or a cover or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can't just yeah. be like you put our music on your page and just, you know, Collect. I think kills this right. song. Yeah. And just let it say, right, right. it's gotta be something cool and something different. But if you can do that, you're free to use it, and we won't take any of your earnings um, as long as it's posted within 90 days. So that's what I wanted to do, and the label was like, yeah, cool, we'll do it. And then it eventually ended up going from a brand new song for 90 days to a song that's already been out for like a certain amount that wasn't that wasn't what I wanted. So essentially my mm -hmm. idea made it to 
made it to the label and then got changed to a point where it wasn't even my idea anymore. And then everyone was kind of like, well, why aren't you happy? This is what you wanted. It's like, no, it's not. It's not at all what I wanted. Like, right. you, you took my idea and you made it shitty in corporate. And then you're mad that, I, that I'm not excited about this thing that you guys did based on money. The whole point was to do this and not think about the money. It was all about doing it and getting getting new people to watch our shit because we're allowing content creators to do what they do well, which is transform our content. Spread your band, right? Yes. So it's like it's it's ironic how how much this is like like imagine if if when the TV came short sighted. It's very short sighted. Like if the yeah. t- remember when the well you don't remember obviously, but like your parents probably remember when like the television came out and like was like be starting to become like a popular thing. And imagine if at that time Networks would have utilized your band's music for the Jay Leno or the Carson show or Bob Hope show if only Mm -hmm. they had known that they could. That's kind of what Mm -hmm. we're dealing with right here. People people would use your content transformatively if they knew that they could do it without penalty. And there are certain bands that they're going to do that anyway, like Slipknot and you know these Blinken Parks of the world, where it's like they're going to they're going to reap the benefits from the views. A band like ours, right. we're we're not going to draw views to you because we're not a big enough band yet. Your band might, but Slipknot, if you do like this, I'm looking at a video now that just got recommended. Five Slipknot riffs on a hurdy-gurdy, which is like that stupid pirate instrument. Yep, yep, yep. But 166,000 views, this was a week ago. That's crazy. Slipknot doesn't need the promo, but it's like this person is like made this really rad video and put a lot of time into it, and it probably isn't going to be able to earn from it. Because That's nuts. It, it's probably going to get claimed by the record label and they're going to take most of the revenue from it. Wow. So yeah, anyway, that's long-winded. Sorry, but that's something. Some, no, uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. That's I want to kind of get into, yeah, I want to get into some of that stuff because that's like your, that's, it, would you consider that your full-time job? Yeah. Yeah. Unequivocally. That's, that's where I make all of my money. Right. So how did you get into that? Like, how did that start? So when, when I started, or actually um, just, let's, let's, can you just explain kind of roundabout what sure. it is that you do? Yeah. So I do, I do what's known as talent management. Right. Um, and mainly what I do is what, uh, influencer marketing. So if you're ever watching like, um, like a lot of these musicians on, on YouTube, um, if you're watching their, their stuff and they say this video is sponsored by, you know, Squarespace or whatever, I sell mm-hmm. that space. So my company is is basically the one who manages these creators, and we do a lot of stuff for the creators. But that's our that's our bread and butter. That's where we make our money is Got it. finding brands to pay creators to push their products. And a lot of times it's bands. You know, a lot of times like we've done stuff with Fearless. You know, where they want to promote like a like the the store or something, and mm-hmm. you know somebody will react to like Fearless bands, and and then. You know the the call to action is that we drive traffic back to Fearless website in in turn right, stores right, and try right. to get you guys merch sales. Very so cool. that's kind of what we do is sell ad space to brands. Got um, it. But there are a number of creators that I work with that we're, we work a lot closely with, like everything from you know financial management, like to um, you know managing their platforms to try to help them with growth. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So more of like an actual hands on management approach. Yes. Um, ba- I like to use the word agent. Um, okay. kind of like your booking agent, right? Like the difference between your booking agent and your managers, your managers kind of like, uh, sometimes when you hear from them, you don't really want to hear from them, but your booking agent, <laughs> it's like, you're almost always stoked when you hear from them. He's like, what do you got? You know, like offers. Right. Type of thing. <laughs> so that's kind of what it is for me and me and these guys is like, when they hear from me, it's typically because I have something for them and not got something it. that I don't need something from them. 
Very cool. So understand. So yeah, agent is like a better term, and it has a it has a little bit more mild of a connotation to it. Very, like, yeah, that's true too. Managers like you're fucking Less responsible official. for them. Yeah, exactly. Right. I can't tell you how many times one of my clients has said something stupid and been like, "Oh, you manage so and so? I heard he's a white supremacist or whatever." Because oh, one time he said he didn't listen to rap or something. But the oh, the geez. point being, when you're managing creators, yeah, you kind of are responsible for stuff that they do and say. And so I got to the point where I was like. Fuck this! I'm not. I'm not in that business anymore. I don't want to manage anyone. You are your own person. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. You know. You know what's best for your brand. I'll just make you money. And who doesn't love money? Like, there's nobody that doesn't like the promoter of the show that's paying them. Right. But, you know, you want to hear from your booking agent because it's like typically means that you got a booking, and people want to pay your band to come play. That's what you do. So that's that's why I like being an agent and not a manager anymore. I tried to do the management thing. There's still a couple of young dudes I manage because they kind of need the help. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't tell them what to do. I'm just there to guide them, which is right. why it's not really official. Your manager kind of like, you know, we don't usually say no to our manager because, you know, we're paying him to be there. We trust him enough at least to, to tell us what to do. And unless we think it's like morally reprehensible or like we just absolutely disagree with it, then we usually just do what he asks us to do. Yeah, that's smart. Well, we, that's what we pay him for. You know, it's like, right. He's there for a reason. Yeah. And if, and if, and if we don't trust him or agree with him, it's like, well, why are we allowing him to take percentages of our money? Right. So at the end of the day, it's like behooves us to just kind yeah. of trust him a little bit and listen to what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely, you know, we've gotten to the point sometimes where we're, you know, we'll come, we'll go to battle and he'll hear us out and, and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, but it's a partnership, you know, he, he yeah, yeah. we want, we want his input or else there's no reason to have him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're kind of providing for these guys too. Yeah, but but with me, it's strictly input. Where I say like, here's right. here's what I would do, you know. And some some of them do will what you want, me. but here's what I. If you're asking for advice, here it is. Right. It's almost like, are you talking to me as like a friend or or as as like, you know, some and that's and that's the that's the conversation we have is like as a friend, I think you should do whatever you want. Like as a business person, I think it's a smart move for you to do X Y Z. Mm-hmm. So I give them that, that unique perspective that's unbiased and just tell them what I would do and, and I because I don't have anything to lose. Right. Like I'm not attached to them. I don't I don't earn based on their like AdSense. And a lot of managers do that where people, these YouTubers get paid based on how many views they're getting, right? Similar to how we get paid off Spotify. Mm-hmm. So a lot of managers are like directly tapped into that, where it's like, you know, 15% yeah, of everything. All that. Yeah. And I don't do that. Um, I like to make my money making other people money. So I win when they win. Got um, it. And again, that's why I think people like, like booking agents. They like hearing from agents in general. Cause it's like, you're not going to hear from your agent cause they're mad at you for something. They don't talk to you unless they have an opportunity. Right. Um, cause so. that's the only time they, they only care about the opportunities. Right. Know? I'm not making money telling you that your last video wasn't good. Or whatever, right. like, or your last single sucked. Like, I don't make money off your songs. Can you still sell out a venue? All right, tight. Then this venue wants to book you. That's that's right. that's my business. Like, yep. There you go. Don't really care about what it is you guys do creatively on your own time. I just kind of care about what it is you do outwardly, so that that I can still continue to sell mm-hmm. your platform. How did you get started doing this stuff? When I met um, the dudes in Restropose at the time, Jared was st- kind of just getting started with YouTube. I think he had like two hundred fifty thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, wow, like what that's a, a cool, lot. yeah, it was like, <laughs> that's so sick. And now he has like almost 3 million. So when I started kind of being in the band with those dudes, I knew what it was that they were doing, but I, did, I didn't have much of a grasp on it. And I, uh, I was working for a software company at the time I was in the band 
and I got laid off. I was part of like a big, uh, a big layoff for like, you know, half the company, I think like mm-hmm. lost their jobs essentially because the company just couldn't afford to keep us. And I was like a low man. I was in like artist relations or something, but, in, mm-hmm. but doing artist relations, I kind of learned about like what creators are looking for. Cause what my job was, was to try to get them to use our products on their, their channels. And so I was doing the job, but I was on the other side of it. <clears throat> and then when I, when I got let go from that job, I started working with Jared. He was like, well, I need a manager. Like, I need someone to help me grow this stuff because it was taking off at the time. He was like close to a million subscribers by then. And um, he was making the money to be able to afford somebody to help him with stuff. And so I took him up and he would like, one day he just forwarded me an email. And he was like, yeah, these companies hit me up all the time. They want me to like advertise their products. I'm not really into it unless it's a lot of money. So like, you know, talk to him and if you can work out this deal... I'll I'll pay you a commission, and so I was like, all right, like. So that's pretty much what it started as. Yeah, that's where the light bulb kind of turned on. That's in my crazy. Head. And then, uh, well, that's that's kind of where it started. But where it really started, where like the business started, and I started to actually build like a little bit of an empire out of this stuff, was that he, he there was jobs he wouldn't take, so it was almost like it and was those almost, you could pass off. Yes, yeah, it was uh-huh. the stuff that I that he wouldn't do, which was what allowed me to start my business. Um, so I basically would be like, all right, cool, well. If you're not going to take this deal, can I bring it to someone else? Because maybe, you know, maybe, maybe like Def Leppard wants to take out Five Finger Death Punch, but they're busy. But, you know, Ice Nine Kills right. isn't doing anything. Like, that, right. that's kind of. And then how... that tour will get canceled. So everything <laughs> will be fine anyway. Yeah, for, for real, dude. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, so that's what it was was like, all right, well, you know, maybe to you, $2,000 isn't enough money, but to somebody out there, you know, $2,000 would change their whole year. Or, that's you know, crazy your life so very cool so it was like i don't really feel like just leaving this money out there on the table and then i started to build the roster out of doing that so slowly slowly but surely i would just one band here one band here one band here and would give them an opportunity you know and then eventually it became like they were kind of like looking to me to facilitate all of their advertisements so now i represent like you know some somewhere in the, the ballpark of like 100 people some of them uh exclusively yeah i saw the list it's pretty impressive yeah, some of those people cool. I have access to, but I am not like their specific like dude. Like, sure. Like if it's kind of like I don't know. You have an open line of communication for it. an opportunity that might arise. Right. Like just because I'm not your booking agent doesn't mean that you guys wouldn't play my wedding. Right. 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 Like that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what it's like with these guys, where it's like, yeah, maybe I don't do all of your deals, but you've allowed me to go tell people that I work with you and mm-hmm. like basically give me that shot to be somebody that would eventually become their agent. And so a lot right, of people right. it does end up turning it once they see kind of like what I'm doing and what I offer, they're like, okay, cool. Like, can we just keep doing this? And then they eventually get to the point where they're like, I don't want to deal with these fucking people. Can you keep doing this for me? And then right. it turns into like a little bit more um, of like a legitimate thing. That makes sense. That's cool. So that's kind of a unique uh little hustle you have <laughs> yeah it's surprisingly nobody's doing it like there are very few, yeah there's like a couple companies that are doing it that i that i work with really closely um but it seems to be like this i don't know it's kind of like Mad Men. like it was kind of like the like early on to this this thing and now like a lot of the focus is shifted now to like tiktok um and i don't really fuck, oh okay i don't really fuck with tiktok yeah uh, it's mostly i've never seen it really it's mostly personal. Like I just don't like the people on it. Okay. Um, more than anything, <laughs> like I just you know I don't really have any. I don't it's really want to represent hip. like like kids that are like right. dancing on 
teeth oh, on, I know. on screen. So it's like, what and can- now all those kids that are dancing on screen are getting record deals. Dude, some of them are getting like TV shows. So that's the Insane. thing. Like you think about how a lot of these people started and a lot of them, it was like, you know, a lot of these famous musicians started as dudes on, you know, doing covers or a lot of these famous actors started as TikTokers or Vine Didn't, people. what's his name? Uh, Sean Mendez. Didn't he get discovered on Vine? Probably. That wouldn't shock yeah. me. You know, a lot of those people like that, like, uh, you know, like the, like Logan and Jake Paul, like as, you know, as, as reprehensible right, yeah. as they may be, it's like they built these massive followings on, on TikTok and Vine or Vine and, uh, you know, like Instagram and stuff. And those are your next celebrities, just like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Ice Nine Kills and Dragged Under, like maybe we're the next big four. I think about that a lot too. Like the next big four is like, Slipknot, Bring Me the Horizon, and yeah, you know these bands that Parkway Drive, yeah, bands that just like we grew up listening to, and we're like, this band's underground, like scares my mom, yeah, and then it's gonna be yep. like they're gonna be the next, they're festival band. headliners, yeah, it's crazy. I was just gonna, wa- I was about to watch that Parkway Drive DVD, oh, or Diva? That. yeah. So I, I don't really know a ton about that band, but that preview popped up on my YouTube, and it looked really entertaining. And I remember watching a DVD from them back in like '09. That was hilarious, dude. Was it the one where so, was it the one where they were like uh, going around like South America and stuff and like I I honestly don't re- I remember one scene from it and it's when I think it was the bass player was in the van uh, and he, in his underwear and he had a boner and he was just punching so it good. through his yeah. underwear. That's the one. Yeah, so that's the one where they go to like <laughs> they go to like uh, Calcutta, like they play shows in like India. They they basically were playing like. What's the worst market in the world we could play? Let's go play That's those markets. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, because they because they played like these terrible places in like South America, where like outside of the show, they're selling like bootleg Parkway Drive merch. And they oh, dude, that happens cool to us it. now in Europe. It's crazy. Yeah, well, in Europe, I probably wouldn't be cool about it, but like they were like, whatever. These people are so poor. Like, right? Yeah, big deal. Like, but but it it's like crazy to see like the size that they've gotten to and i think that's, that's insane, what you've seen dude people we just played with them in australia it was the crazy i've never the production for a metal show was unlike anything i've ever seen yeah it was my, nuts one of my best friends used to tour manage for them oh really yeah do you know javi mm, no i don't big like big dude covering tattoos looks like he's from hawaii oh wait i know who he is yeah. i know of him so yeah. he was in a band called the warriors a long time ago yes dude and that's where I, I watched that DVD at one of their houses, at one of the dudes in the Warriors' house. Oh, probably Javi. It could have been him, actually. Yeah. That's crazy because they were letting my old band crash there. Where, do you remember where it was? It was in the Oxnard? LA, somewhere near L.A., I think. Yeah, like kind of like a beachy town. Um, I honestly it's probably down tell there, you. But it yeah. was 2009. I don't know. So, so he, he managed – tour managed them every now and again – um but and he was i was like what's that like he was, he was like dude honestly it's so tight we just go play fifa every day and like dick off he's like they're the funnest band to tour with um yeah they're like self-managed too and yes shit. they're, they're like really inspiring them. yeah um, that's cool but the stories he would tell me about those guys just hilarious but i watched that video and i that kind of is what's what kind of stopped me from being in rest repose because i because i watched that that video and i was like i don't feel like this i don't feel like i'm touring with my best friends like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm happy when I'm on tour. And that, that's when right. I was like, okay, cool. I'm really doing something wrong. Like, I'm not having a good Got time it. doing this. And it's Yeah, not, it's the it same thing laugh. as any other job, right? Like, people go through midlife crisis in their regular job feeling like they're not happy. It's the same thing. Cool. Yeah, except for, I mean, 
with that, it's like, you don't always, there's not always something you could do about it. Like, you that's know, true. It's almost like, well, what am I going to do? Kick all these guys out? No way. Like so-and-so writes the music. This guy does X, that guy does this. So it's like, there's guys carrying their weight in certain ways, but it's like, I got to that point where I was like, I never, I don't feel like I get anxiety to go on tour with these guys. Cause I feel like I have to keep everything together. Like mm. that's kind of what it was in my last band where it was like, I'm scared that like at any moment this could all fall apart unless I like sacrifice my happiness to like hold everyone together mm-hmm. and yeah. watching those parkway drive documentaries i watched that one and then i would watch like the every time i die videos where they would mm-hmm. like go in the studio um, yeah i've seen those yeah and I, there was an architects one um where they go to like asia and stuff and i was just like i don't feel this way dude you gotta watch the the horse the band world tour footage i used to love horse the band I oh my god it's it's fucking hilarious I think it's like eleven hours. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, it's like but volumes. They, Earth tour. What's that? It's like volumes. Yeah, it's yeah. Earth tour. Yeah, they did That's Earth sick. tour, and they like just played every place they could, maxed out every credit card, and filmed the whole thing. And it's insane because that band is like kind of depraved. <laughs> Dude, I'm so hyped to watch this now. You have no idea. Yeah, definitely watch some of that. A lot of it's kind of hard to get through because it's a little boring, but some of that stuff is like gold it's amazing yeah um, yeah I, I i guess the last point on that is that like that's that's always what i want i don't even know how we got here but that's always what i wanted uh, yeah no i mean that's what it should be yeah. it's like it should be that experience when you feel like you're doing something with like a common goal with like your friends that's when it's the most fun the one and I i'll be honest think, like go ahead go ahead I, I used to think that it was like bands that got big just put up with it and like, cause you, I mean, there definitely are bands. You hear the that horror do that. stories, right? Like where it's like Axl Rose fucked so and so's wife, and then you're just like, oh yeah. my god! I mean, dude, you've, have you seen the, the Metallica, some kind of yes, monster? Yes, dude, amazing, amazing. Like I never would so have been in a band with like dudes no, like dude, that. Could you imagine having to hire a, a therapist for your band? No, I couldn't, because I'd be like, yo, we're just gonna kick you out. <laughs> it's not worth Crazy. it. Crazy. But you gotta, you gotta applaud like their their willingness to like stick it out. I mean, I think, well, it, I guess I, I can't talk either. Cause I don't know what it's like being in a successful band for 30 years. Yeah, so. true. It's got to wear on you, but, but, but yeah, I tend to agree with that where it's like, yo, if this is so bad that you need to hire a therapist, just fucking dip. Like, right. But then I think a lot of them saw what happened with Newstead and they're like, I don't want that to happen to me. Right. I don't want to be right. like this obscure yeah, that dude that used to be in Metallica. Right. That didn't go well. for Yeah. Me. So, I mean, maybe that's why they just put up with it, but you hear a lot of that stuff where it's like, yeah, they had, you know, those guys didn't like each other at all. They just did it because it was like, we're too big to, like, we can't, can't kick out so and so because then the band will break up. And yeah, you just, but the band, like, you can tell the bands that are like tight, you know, like that, that really love what they're doing and love being with each other on tour. I feel like that's a new thing. I don't know. I mean, I look at like a band like, uh, even like the Rolling Stones. Mm hmm. They look like they like each other. Yeah, fair enough. You know, like they don't look like a band like where the singer goes off on his own bus after the show. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it, a lot of the dichotomy, like the, the band relationship has changed so much because, you know, in the past, like even as early as like the early 2000s, like you didn't have a computer and in, in, in like a focus right in your in your room where you were just writing mm-hmm. songs. You had to like have other members in the band that knew what they were doing and to try to find people who could speak music 
and like could 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 and would tour especially in the stigma of like the early 2000s and the 90s it wasn't just like now how it is today where everybody's been on tour yeah it's crazy i always think about that and everyone has music videos yeah you couldn't just get that and everybody has recordings yeah like so many people you ask like who did your who did your record like i did it in my bedroom and we had my first couple albums were done in my garage yeah and what else what else do you need like truly you don't need anything so I think we've gotten to the point now where I think you see so many bands either breaking up or kicking people out is because of how easy it is to either I write all the music or replace people with other better people. Like the, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's like the, the ceiling. You has, don't need the whole group anymore to like right. jam out songs. You can just do dude, it all. Like, dude, I can't remember the last, actually, this past couple of weeks, I st- we wrote songs in a in a room together, but uh, not Ice Nine, a different band. But like that's the first time I had done that in years. We've never done in that. Years. Dragnet has never done that. Um, I don't think I've done it with. I don't think we ever did it with Ice. No, absolutely not. We never did with Ice Nine. We, uh, all this we stuff. We did it. We did it with Rest Repose. I did it with all the bands I was in before, and and you know what? It wasn't the best product. Like, no, nah, I agree. Being able it, to you sit can just there, do better. Yeah, well, being able to sit there and not get attached to a riff that you just wrote. Because you have unlimited like recording space and you can just sit there and jam for an hour until you find the riff and you don't have to waste other people's time doing it. Like, And you can hear it. Yeah, you can hear it in real time. Like, no, it, sounds, <laughs> yeah. it sounds stupid. Or like you put it in context and you can the, – there is one thing to be said about like the accidental genius that happens in practice where somebody sure. you know accidentally played the wrong note over yours and it ended up being like the fifth harmony and you were like, wait a minute, that sounded sick. Let's run with that. But I don't know, man. There's just like something about I think I think we used to there was like a, a window where you didn't need to know theory because you could get by on three power chords and you didn't have to record it all. Like mm-hmm. you didn't have the pressure of hearing it on the record until you went to record it. And you didn't have like you didn't have a need to be technical. Like that's where right. like Green Day, Blink 182, and Nirvana got built in that like yeah. window. And now the window is closed where there are so many people who know so much about audio engineering and can make a record in a week. Um, and it's almost become like commoditized to be like, especially in metal. Yeah. More than anything. It's like, you see all yeah. these people like, like I made a record in a week and let's be honest, like metal bands, like I don't I feel like I'm going to get heat for this, but it's not hard to write metal songs, especially like no, the technical it's, shit where it's like blast beats and like yeah. 16th or 32nd notes, where it's like, it's just like, okay, what do we, you know, how hard is that? And especially, I've like always trailers. considered like uh, metal, at least I feel like maybe it's less like this now, but metal music was always like good musicians, mostly bad yes. songwriters. Yes. The, the best musicians. Right. And, and yeah, really bad songwriting. And it's like, the, that's the refreshing part about being able to scream. And that's where, you know, with Dragged Under, where I get sometimes like, a little worried is that I'm like, man, when we stop screaming, I'm going to have to think of a melody. <laughs> like I'm going right. to have to challenge myself to write yep. something here. Um, yeah. That's the other thing I always used to say about screamers was which one of my friends wants to be in my band. Totally. And that, that is a real <laughs> thing, but finding, you know, finding someone who can do both. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, like at a certain point it's like, man, I don't know what I would have done if I, if I wasn't allowed to just scream over this. Right, right. I'm not sure what yeah. I'm not sure what the move would have been. Well, I mean, maybe the music just doesn't call for it. Like, there's some stuff where screaming, right? Like, it calls for that for sure. You know, 
Yeah, and I've, it's I've, knowing I've, when to use it that I think is I think people can overdo everything, you know. Yeah, for sure. I've I've definitely been been in that position where I I will p- push myself to sing something where I could just scream. And you'll hear right. in some of our songs where it's like there's like talking parts that are kind of like um like uh, akin to like the transplants. Okay. Where it's yeah. like talked talked melody. Um, but yeah, I definitely get to the point sometimes where I'm just like, uh, like why, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to scream something here. I'm just going to do X, Y, Z because I can't figure out what I want to do or I can't figure out a melody that I'm stoked about. Or I'll just be like, I'm going to sit on this for another, like, give me, give me like, you know, a couple more hours to just sit with this piece of this one part. Right. And you can do that because you have the time. Yeah. So that, that also comes with music that lends itself to being sung over. Right. And that's a conversation we've had with our band where it's like, Eventually, we want to write more singing music. Like I, you know, Green Day is one of my favorite bands in the whole world. And that's kind of like what got me into punk rock music. So I really Mm -hmm. wanted it to be like that. And I think, you know, we started a little heavier, a little harder because one, I think it's easier to start heavier than than to start soft and go heavy. So it's like, well, let's get our wiggles out right now. Let's write some heavy shit, some fast shit. Um, And then, you know, four albums from now, who knows what it's going to sound like? It might sound like Dookie. Um, right you know or it might sound like jimmy Eat world i don't i don't really know that we, we haven't written that far ahead but the next album is definitely a little bit less heavy got um, it because i don't think it needs to be heavy to be good you know like that's not the no i don't either we're particularly going for yeah i mean i dude i i'm constantly trying to make things less heavy which is what my role in ice nine is <laughs> that's, <laughs> a hard, that's a hard position to be in yeah i uh i uh i don't listen to heavy music yeah i don't think like, i like really ever i don't think i do either i think um yeah. like I was listening to Frankie Valley all day yesterday. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I just, li- I love pop music. Same. So I listen. Well, that's what yeah. we're writing. Like people fail to realize that. I know. Like, if, I know. If Ice Nine choruses are pop choruses. Straight they up. are pop song choruses. We will probably never write a chorus that's not as big as we can make it. And that's right. the one thing I think you'll recognize in, in Dragged Under songs is the song itself might be fast or aggressive or punk sounding, but once we get to the chorus... It's like it's kind of like we took a page out. Of you life. can tell there was thought put into your choruses from the songs that I've I've listened to. A lot for of thought. sure. Yeah, too much probably. But we take a page out of that like Offspring handbook, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like I might not be saying a whole lot during the song, or it might be kind of stupid. But then when you get to the chorus, you're just like, whoa! Like what an earworm. Right. Yeah, and that was great. that was punk in the '90s, right? Especially growing up in totally in Southern California, where I came from, we had those bands like Offspring and Ignite, mm-hmm. and you know. Like right. those Blink 182s and transplants, and like just type in OC punk rock, right? And, yeah. and just look at all the bands that that are from Southern California, um, and and that's yeah, kind of always like even being a Ducks fan, like you go to the Ducks games, and when they score, they play Brohim. Do they really? Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to go to a Ducks game then. So that that, that was like it permeated the culture down there really well. Um, that like skateboarding you know socal street punk like that's kind of why that's kind of how drag dinner was actually born was it was like the mix of like the dudes that live here and the nirvana phase that they grew up with in seattle and like me bringing that like socal punk rock like skate punk vibe up with me so that's kind of like what i would call the mix of our music is like a bit of the like the 90s seattle grunge and like the early 2000s yeah i can hear that it's very cool i'm i'm into it i think it's great thank you i Um, appreciate that it's cool when band people like it like it's great uh, yeah. when fans like it's it. It's always more gratifying, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's super cool when fans like it, but it's like it's some it says something different when people who spend their whole life writing music and touring and hear like a lot of bands fuck with your band. Right, right. 
All right. Well, listen, dude, thank you for giving us so much detail. This has been a long time, but I love this stuff. So uh, I want to end with how we end every episode, which is any uh, memorable or funny like tour stories or any stories really uh, that you might have from your time being in bands or just in the music industry that are worth sharing? Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I guess like from one of my first tours ever when I was playing in Betrayal, like the most memorable thing that I that I remember about any tour was we were supposed to go on a tour with this Blood Runs Black because they were like the late they were like the big, you know, my roommate is was the guitarist in Blood Runs Black. Dan, he's also in Ice Nine. So when was he was in it like later then? Because I remember Sal two thousand nine, yeah, onward okay. I think. So that was a little after I knew them because I because when Got I was it. when I knew them it was Sal the big dude and okay. um, the skinnier guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was like the my fears have become phobias age, like first Good. first record. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were supposed to tour with them. And we're like, the, we're 17, I think. Like the oldest dude in the band is 17. I think I was 16 at the time. <clears throat> and the owner of the label had to come on the tour with us because nobody in the band was an adult. Mm-hmm. So he came on the tour with us. Was this, what label was this? Media Scare. So uh, Baron? Yep. Got it. Fucking asshole. Yep. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, uh, he came with us. And at the time, Baron wasn't skinny yet. So it's like this fucking big fat dude, like hawking loogies everywhere and like drinking iced tea. And uh, he was just like, man, the bass player of that band is a dude called Shakewell. Do you know who that is? I feel like you I can look him do. up. He's, he's, he's killing it right now. Um, and the drummer of that band, his name is Kale. He plays, he plays for Ghost Mane. Oh, okay. So like some of the dudes that were in that band left and did really, really, really cool shit. The guitar player of that band, the other one, was in a band, is in a band called Runaway Kids now, which is kind of like our music. If you like Dragged Under Your Public. I know that band. So, yeah. So he um, – we went on that tour, and it was like, okay, cool. We're going on tour with this Bloodhounds Black. It was like five days. It was supposed to be like nothing. Um, and then we got to like the storage unit where all of their shit was. And like just remember sitting in the van. Like it was like 30 minutes had passed, and we're like, what the fuck is happening? And then Baron comes back to the van and he's like, they're fucking, they canceled on us. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, they're not coming. So they like bailed on the tour. And wait, wow. Yeah. This has happened to me a couple of times. It's the worst. I just have bad luck, bro. But they, so they canceled the tour and we're like, well, what are we going to do? Like, you know, we got the time off or whatever. And he like, was like looking through his phone or whatever. He's like, start driving. And I was like, which way? And he's like, just go, just go like 10 West uh, or 10 East. So we just get on the freeway and start driving. He's like, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Iowa. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna jump on this tour with like Winch Mob and Lose None, um, <laughs> which are like these really heavy bands at the time. Yeah, and nobody cared. Yeah. Nobody cared about them, which sucked because we ended up playing like pretty small shows. But they were still like legit hardcore bands, um, and it ended up being like one of the more the more fun tours because when you first get there, I bet like our drummer almost got in a fight with like the little brother of like the singer of like Winch Mob because oh, they were moshing and. But it turned out being like one of the better experiences um, out of just like this terrible, terrible, terrible tragedy that we were like, well, we got fucked. And then we ended up playing like one of those shows was with the ghost inside uh, at like a house, a lake house in Havasu. So, you know, it ended up being a really cool thing, but it's just like, yeah, that sounds fun. You have to do that a lot in the music industry. It's just like scrambling to like get another thing once you're because, you know, how long how long do you prep for these tours? Months. 
Right. So when they when they don't pan out, it's like, well, we can't just sit around here for a month and a half doing nothing. We've all everyone Man. in the band has their time off. They quit jobs. Like they, you know, use their PTO. They did X Y Z. It's like it's not easy enough to just be like, all right, well, we're not touring this one. Like we can do that because we're not a full time touring band yet. But if your band, like if a tour got canceled, you guys would be like, what the fuck am I gonna do? Right. Like that I need would really that money. Suck. Yeah, you guys are right. like legit touring musicians. I was like, we're not yet. So for us, it didn't really sting that bad. I was 16 years old. The thing that sucked mm-hmm. was driving from California to Iowa to do like five yeah. dates, five dates back with like these shitty little hardcore bands and wow. sleeping in <laughs> sleeping in Walmart parking lots. Like that was the other thing. That was, was like, the, I miss that shit, dude. No, thank you, bro. I remember, oh man, I, in I miss it. In the dead of summer. So it's like, soon as the sun is up, dude. you're just like, cool, we're driving. So we like my old band, like were so committed to like the DIY shit that like, I don't think, I think we got hotels in eight years of touring. No, oh, I'm sorry. Seven years of touring twice. Fuck you guys. We get hotels every night. No, I think we did it twice. And I think we usually wouldn't stay at people's houses. We don't do that. More often than not. Yeah. We don't do that um, because it, it's so typical that you'll get there and be like, this is a dump. Well, what? it also just slows everything down. How do you mean? Like we just were. I, I'm very punctual with shit. Oh, yeah, like, sure. That's one of my pet peeves. And like somehow one person, you know, takes too long to get ready to come out or someone needs to take a shit or who knows, like whatever. Or like we have to stop and get gas and we didn't account for that, you know, and then we mm-hmm. hit traffic. So like with the beauty of sleeping in the van is that whoever wakes up can just start driving. Yeah, that's great. That's true. I actually, I actually do like that a lot. You're right. Um, that was I awesome. love that. We just get aggressive about it. We're just like bus calls like this time, you know, van calls at noon. If you're not down there at noon, you're driving or whatever. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, you have to, right. But like, yeah, we've done the same thing, but it's just so much, it was just so much easier given like the size of our band and shit like that. We saved so much money, but we like really decked out everything. We had like a little kitchen in our trailer that was powered by a generator and like a grill and like a, you know, uh, it was very comfortable. Yeah, it we, was very comfortable. We have like bunks in our van, like four people. Yeah, we, we did can the same sleep thing pretty comfortably, but yeah, I think it's tight and starts to smell. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, before we go, um, your last yeah. name it's what it's Ocuity. Yeah, that was really close. It's actually just pronounced Ocuity. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah the, I always talk to people that they're like Capochi, and I'm like, no, dog, like like Pinocchio, like the CCH is is a K sound, right? So they never get it. But do you know what it means? my last name yeah i think it means something eyes mm-hmm. like big eyes or something yeah well I, is that right the direct translation is a little bit different but yeah it's something like like all of the eyes or every do you speak italian eye. no but i've i've always been curious about that so like every time i see an italian last name especially with like oki in it i always look it up because my is oki the eye yeah and what's yours mean uh eyes eyes of the boss Oh yeah, pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> come on. So yeah, <laughs> Capo is like the boss, right? Like the head of a family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anytime you see Capo, that's, that's like, hard. Probably probably means that like you know somebody in my family once upon a time was probably in like the Cosa Nostra, like wow. the mob. But yeah, yours is pretty cool too. It's like it, it's it's rough. Like the translations are rough, right? But it's like every eye or all all of the eye. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, Does mine mean something funny. cool too? Yeah, yours was a prominent bike brand at one point in the 90s. 
<laughs> oh, mine's the coolest then for sure. Yeah. yeah, super cool. Josh coming in at the end. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's a, Bianchi is like the best Italian bike that you can get. That's all I know about it. But I'm sure that it means something. Let's it means it bike. Up. I knew the bike thing. Everyone asked me about the bikes. But you want to know, know what it means? Oh, God. It means, it means whites. Whites. <laughs> it's the worst time to have that last name, bro. Oh, man. Great. You just got canceled, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So it's actually like <laughs> no. your last name, like Josh White. <laughs> yeah. Like it's super boring, um, like Italian last name. <laughs> Sorry, bro. All right, dude. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been amazing. Of course. Uh, I really had a great time on this one. Uh, do you do you have anything that you want to shout out or share, social stuff like that before we wrap up? I'm sure you'll put that all like in the description and stuff. But yeah, I definitely out, am gonna check out Drag Dunder, man. Follow us on Spotify if you guys can. That's like where bands live. That's where it happens. Yep. Cool. All right, dude. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Dude, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. We will absolutely talk to you. Yeah, I'll be around. Like the first time I lost myself, the purpose, the meaning. I'm missing the feeling. Make it count, sing it loud. It's just a memory now. At least I made you proud before. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.